So we're here, people. Have yeah. you, do we put the, mu- the music on? We have the intro, the, the punk do rock. Do you want music? me to? Well, shouldn't we do that? Yeah, let's do it. That, 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 that's part of the discipline, the routine, and I will shut up for forty-five seconds. Hey, everybody! It's official now. I'm gonna leave, I'm is. gonna leave a little bit of that intro in that's actually a nice i think it's a good idea can you hear yeah. me okay oh i can okay? hear you fine, fine. good i want to make hear sure. yourself i can't hear myself okay I, I like the level it's kind of a little more muted but that's a good thing yeah because sometimes it gets so crisp in your earphones like whoa but yeah you, you can you can talk you have the freedom of talking a little louder exactly exactly <clears throat> thank you i appreciate that all right we're here uh i got an episode of hello larry queued up <laughs> that's gonna be our pre-break <laughs> You know what I found as far as getting pulled on YouTube? Only music does ha- triggers copyrights. Oh, like old TV shows, like really shitty old shows like this don't have No. Wow. They don't they don't it's not the same copyright. Because they don't it- have the same algorithm. Like YouTube has algorithms that <clears throat> when it processes your video, if it hears music, it immediately finds whatever licensing agreement they have for wow. that song. Wow. So you'll get an email literally being like Virgin uh, Music is flag- tells you is to flagging stop. your. Yeah. Well, they used to pull your video, but now it just says whatever whatever money you make off this video is going to go to these guys. Hmm. Wow. But we, our YouTube videos don't make money. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Which is, I think, why they started doing it this way because I think they finally f- realized that like it's unfair if we're pulling videos that are going to get five views. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, it literally doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't if that anything, amazing? it's getting people to watch fucking Hello Larry. I, <laughs> which we should all be required to. As all Muslims go to Mecca, all Americans should have to watch one episode of Hello Larry, one of the many McLean Stevenson shows that all bombed. McLean Stevenson. Uh, left mash. Left hot, mash. Hot, hot mash seat. Colonel Blake, 1975, left Never got his footing again before he died. Had a series of bombs. Wasn't he a drunk? Uh, no, no. Uh, Larry Linville, the guy who played Frank Burns, he was a drunk, actually. Supposed to be a totally fun, good-natured guy, like the opposite of his character, but an extreme alcoholic. I mean, he, he died of cancer in the early 90s, and I think he drank. I mean, he'd, he had gotten sober the last couple of years of yeah. his life, but I think his drinking like totally took a toll. Like, he liked the sauce. You know, Grandpa's old cough medicine. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> McLean Stevenson, he went to Northwestern. He's from Illinois. Plus, those old guys drank like gin and turpentine and shit. Ooh, like they yeah, weren't man. drinking saucy, like drinks, light pink drinks. Yeah, no, not at all. They, they, yeah, the, the, the whole fusion or <laughs> infused drinks and stuff. That stuff did, was not a thing. It was whiskey on the rocks. Maybe a, like a Manhattan was like a fancy drink or Whenever an old fashioned. My grandpa would talk about him drinking. He would like they always say he'd get a shot in a beer. Yeah. That was like the old shot man of whiskey. Shot in a beer. Yep. Well, that's what you still get in Chicago. You still yeah. get the a special like that, that like a special of that shot in a beer, would that be like six bucks? Like like a good cheap one? And yeah, currently yeah. right now. Yeah. Cleo's. Cleo's probably had a shot in a beer. Was that probably eight? I think they do five. Five bucks? Cleo's also Ooh. Cleo's also will <laughs> like that's uh, fine. At least it's <clears> there you go. <laughs> Cleo's will fucking put whiskey in your coffee if you bring your thermos. They'll put like a shot of whiskey in yeah. there. Good for them, man. And I don't know if I'm busting them out, but it's on there. Like it's on the board. Like I don't know if they're allowed to do it, but they do it. You know, we were talking about this last week. 
about bars in LA and bars in Chicago and how superior bars are in Chicago. Although you do find a few decent bars here now. I'm not going to look down on LA's bars. There's so many people. There's some decent bars out there. Most of them stink. <clears throat> well, out in Chicago, bars that are sketchy have a like a kitschiness to them. Well, and there's a charm. Like people like that. Exactly. I mean, there's so many. And what's amazing, when I compare it to when I first moved there until like I just moved away, you know, I mean, the number of bars did whittle down. There's still a shitload of bars in that city. I mean, it's like, I think the number of bars literally got reduced by like a couple thousand from like the early 90s until 2018. You know, but there's still a bar. It's it's not every two blocks, Dude, it's every eight it's blocks. It's funny, I was thinking of you because I'm writing a comic book and, for I'm, you. and I'm building my villain. Okay. Whatever. And I'm basing him on <clears throat> Walt Disney and like a corrupt mayor. <laughs> so I was reading about like Chicago mayors and I was reading about Bill Thompson. Big Bill Thompson. Yeah, yeah. And like all the speakeasies during that time and shit. Like all the bars had weird names. It was just like <laughs> Southie Speakeasy on, on fucking Wabash yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like That's they were, cool, man. But you can see how the bar culture built because like they all had to drink in secret. So they became like these local watering holes, like these secret places. And I also just think that the population, the ethnic breakdown of the population kind of came from heavy drinking European areas. The Irish, you know, were definitely. I also had to spend Germans. And I also too. had to spend 20 minutes looking up what a fucking reformer was, because there's a quote from Bill Thompson, how he said, because they say he was a great political campaigner that he basically was the king of saying one thing and doing the other yeah yeah because he campaigned on killing crime in the city and was openly friends with al capone at yeah. the same time <laughs> gee does that sound kind of familiar to what we're dealing with <laughs> you know I, I say one thing and it's the 180 opposite was and actually he created current. machine politics because then because yeah. when he got reelected in 1927 he openly said like the city's rampant with crime we got to cut down on all this crime but then at the same time he goes but i feel like the reformers are the real criminals yeah and then he goes i feel like the country's under attack from king george the fifth and shit like he was on a big king of england kick still because that was like oh was, yeah 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 still yeah. kind of post world war one and he they say he was neutral on world war one <laughs> like he he didn't really care about interesting yeah it was like a european thing yeah that we well, shouldn't that worry was, about that was his first knock against him that everybody thought we should have gotten involved in world war one like sooner than yeah. what we did yeah because i mean certainly when america got involved in world war one it tipped the scales <clears throat> it's a reason why the french and the british won it essentially mm -hmm. uh but but uh that makes sense though that having i mean that isolationist streak it still exists in this country. There's still this old, truly old school in the old DNA, like true conservative old DNA in this country. There's a strand of people who think, no, we got oceans on each of our sides. We're going to be isolate, be isolationalists, which is ridiculous. That is a ridiculous. The world is not that way anymore. It is preposterous to think that way. It's completely integrated, you know. So if this illness proves one thing, we are integrated. But but it's uh, but there's still yeah, I can see that. And him saying that probably making that. That's what people think about all these liberals. Uh, the the state's too big. The right communists. You know, it's one thing that she made me realize because I, I hate. I don't like hate. I listen to Alex Jones to laugh my balls off. Yeah, like, I'm always yeah. figuring, and he's always claiming global globalish. And she just goes, you know, globalist means Jews, right? And I was just like, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, just like, yeah. oh my god, he, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. He's trying to say these Jews that run the media. Yeah. Well, he's a horrible human being. You know, that 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 that's. But then now that she mentioned it, they all all those people, those conspiracy theorists, they all say that we're globalists. Yeah. And they don't even say they won't say super negative stuff, but they will acknowledge that like all these rich Jewish people like they'll they'll they will mention that like there's rich jewish people in places of power but yeah. they they won't say like they're lizard scumbags but like yeah 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 but it was it's their they, whisper they campaign. acknowledge it and when they get all christian and shit when they talk about how christianity has been beaten down oh, that like God. you know yeah. everybody that runs this country is jewish it, it's like uh that is a preposterous statement well they didn't like kennedy because he was catholic yeah i mean do you know what, i mean the country's a little bit more open than that. Gee, but the, the, the idea there are massively well-organized Christian organizations. What the hell? Do, what do you think Mike Pence comes from? You know, what do you think the backbone of the entire movement that supports Trump is? It's all the Christian right in the South, all of it. You know, so I mean, and it's all the mega churches. I mean, he's getting eighty-five percent of their vote or something. I mean, and they know they need that. That's why he comes out and makes a statement. But I, I don't want to go off. I want to make this show fun and lighthearted. Not talk about politics. Well, let's get in that. Hello, so with Larry. that, with that, we are going to pop on. For those of you who don't know, Hello, Larry, one of the many McLean Stevenson's. Bombs. I think this might have been the first one, or was that the? Didn't the, he do the McLean Stevenson show? I think he had a McLean Stevenson show, and I, I think he might have had like five to seven Here, sitcoms. Let me do a. Let me do a background. Like, like he had a five to seven like bad sitcom streak. I mean, I think he guest starred on stuff too. I'm sure he was in a few episodes of Love Boat. Maybe threw in a Fantasy Island there. How cool would that be? Working on Fantasy Island. You know they're rebooting Fantasy Island. It's gonna be like, a, but they're doing like a horror prequel, like more of a scary vibe. Interesting. Well, you know, th- th- there was an episode in Fantasy Island that I may have mentioned on the show one time, where Rourke, played by Ricardo Montalban, who was who was Khan in Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Two, he has to take on the devil. Okay, <laughs> and the devil is played by Roddy McDowell, who was in a who was in a Planet of the Apes. You know, so there's an episode where he takes the devil on and how he defeats the devil is is evil is is defeated through love. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, I am in love, you know, with this with this Latin like Ricardo Montalba, I am in love with being in love. That was his big line that got the devil. You roar and the key and the devil kind of like he's he, he's he was like carted in on some like. <laughs> so during an after mash. He also was doing match game appearances. Oh, yeah. He was on match game a lot. <clears throat> he, w- the McLean Stevenson show was first. He was Mac Ferguson on the McLean Stevenson show. He did that thing where he had the show named after him, but he was a different, it was like the Phil Silver show. Yeah. <laughs> like the Phil Silver show was the Phil Silver show, but he, he was, played it. Yeah. He was Sergeant Bilko. Yeah. It's hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but yeah, it's that's interesting. Um, you know, and that lasted. But 12, to think that you're enough of a name to do that—that that you know? lasted twelve episodes. <sighs> that, that 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 was probably the run you got back then. And then in 1978, there was a Norman Lear show called In the Beginning, that ran for nine episodes, and he played Father Daniel M. Cleary. So oh, so it's an Irish religious show. Oh, let me tell you, top of the morning. Then 7980, you have Hello Larry, which was his longest running. Post mash show at thirty eight episodes. Whoa. He was on mash for seventy one episodes, seventy two yeah. to seventy five. Yeah, like key, like when it was like mash. Oh, you know? gr- yeah, great. You know, because it, it became the last two or three years, it was running on fumes. Well, he 
Potter was on longer than this because yeah. it went from 75 to what? 83. 83. Because it was on for 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. It was longer than the Vietnam War. Well, even though it was about the Korean War. If you what else totally fuck up, yeah. if you totally fucking disregard the pacing of the show, yeah. and if you if you say every episode of MASH is every day, day of yeah. the war, then it it's even shorter than the Korean than War. Than the Korean War. Like exactly. you can excuse it by being every episode is a different day. Wow. Which, I mean, that's a pretty action-packed fucking tour of Korea. Yeah. If you look at every episode of MASH has an A plot and a B plot. So well, yeah, like- yeah, 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 absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you were, they were writing. That, that's one thing I could never do as a sitcom writer, right? I, I could only get the A story. I couldn't really create a B story. Well, that's why you need a whole fucking team. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Your two other writers do the B plot. Yeah, you're right. You think the people who create these shows write everything? Yeah, they can't. Of course not, you know. I know I'm, I'm working on my show right now with my writing partner, so we're you know, we're, 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 there's been a, a the last month and a half. Please indulge me, humanity. Uh, the last month and a half, two months has been a, pr- a pretty, pretty big uh, editing going on. It was good editing, though. It, it was the real knock it in place editing. Okay, so then he so was it, on it three episodes out. of Different Strokes as Larry Adler, Alder, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, The Love Boat. One episode, Bob Course Crawford. Of course he was. Um, another episode of The Love Boat two years later as Captain Donahue in '83. <sighs> And then he was on a show called Condo in 1983 as well. Wow. 13 episodes. That was, it starred him. I think that was his last shot. That obviously didn't work. Wow. So then been- it was one episode of Hotel 84, yes. Back to Love Boat in 84, <clears throat> Tall Tales and Legends, one episode of Golden Girls, one episode of MathNet. Three episodes of Square One TV, eleven episodes of Dirty Dancing, the TV show. Wow, we had a little run there. God. And then Tales what? from the City, nineteen ninety three, two episodes, final appearance. So that was his last TV appearance. Yeah. When did he die? He died in the nineties, I think. Um, Could be wrong. Ninety six. Jesus, Can you imagine recovering just- from bladder cancer surgery in Tarzana. He suffered a f- sudden fatal heart attack. Well, he was, uh, I mean, uh, Stevenson died one day before Roger Bowen, who played Colonel Blake in the 1970 movie MASH. Oh, interesting. And also died from a heart attack. Interesting. They always try and link a death curse to shit. (laughs) <laughs> ever since poltergeist because that one bitch on poltergeist died well a couple Dominic people Dunn, died and then the, the blonde woman died you know the the, the lead the, the, the little girl. girl she died and like during the third movie i think yeah they had to yeah. use some sort of cgi to like finish it wow are you ready to wow. finish get on this hello larry episode yeah yeah so here we go bj and the bear oh bj and the bear was on nbc well, greg evigan It's really a great song. Yeah, I mean, I if mean, you're this going is a studio off- musician. Well, that's what's your face. She, she, she was the mom. Joanna Gleason. She, she was in a. Oh, can you hit pause. I didn't realize this. She, she was the mother of in Boogie Nights. Remember? She's Mark. Yeah, she, she was, she was a known. And, and then here's what's your face. Kim Richards. Kim Richards, who I had a little, I had a little pre pre ten year old Adam Boner for this one. I, I, I she's. Bang bang! Oh, here's the fat guy. Louis Anderson hasn't been discovered. George Mamoli. That sounds like a noodle dish. Oh. 
doing the bump. That's a fake fat suit. Is that guy really fat? I think he is. You got Donna Wilkes. <sighs> Hello, Larry was taped before pieces of cardboard. <laughs> Annie. Hi, Dad. Hi, kids. Hi, Dad. Hi, Mr. Alder. Setting up the characters. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Daughter, daughter, shithead boyfriend. Been at that table since right after school. Dad, can't we just ask him to leave? He wrecks my appetite. Like she's talking in the same. They would hear her. <laughs> Dad, can't we just ask him away. to leave? I'm chubby and need to eat. <laughs> Two skinny little eggs. A big giant head. Nothing in between except a dumb looking belly button. Ooh. Oh man. See, Mash was edgy. Oh, absolutely. There was heavy shit going on. Absolutely. I mean, they also, I mean, they had some classic writers on that who knew how to do that. Larry Gelpart. Yeah, absolutely. He wrote the USS Indianapolis speech in Jaws. It's okay, Dad. Get some out of Jim. The waitress? Yes, sir. Hi there, I'm your waitress, Diane. Uh, what's the uh, what's this dumb gag? I think she's trying to get a job. I don't know. I will have the warmed up stew. You won't be sorry. Buy up the stew. We got another sucker. One terrible thing about warmed up stew: the last guy gets all the carrots. I swear to God, if I think this is part how how I actually write. You think you got a Hello Larry in you? It, 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 it's just, it's that bad. Hey, you got 13 episodes of television in you. Listen, if you run out of food, just call room service. Oh my God, this is, this, this is the classic laugh track. They can both spit through their teeth. That'd be funny if all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she'd be like, you know they're going to fuck, right, Dad? Yeah, it's the late 70s, man. It's pre-AIDS. Well, this is 83. No, 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 no. no. This show was 79 to 80. Okay, yeah, yeah. This has a real... 79 and 80 were... You could tell the 70s were still kind of holding on, but the the beginning of the 80s was starting to take over, you know? Because uh, earth tones were still big, you know? Mm-hmm. Earth tones were big in the early 80s and is when people started to realize. Did they just kiss? Well, wait, what just happened? Did they just kiss? Yeah, I think so. Going home so soon, Eric? Yeah, I just felt up your daughter. Why would you go home? Yeah. Well, I, 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 Get I that know. hoodie off. I can remember a few times making out when I was young and being like, it was overwhelming. Like, whoa. You know, it was like, you know, like. <laughs> he's just, what, he's just eating a little bit of soup? I hate Eric. So do I. But what do you do now? He kissed me. On the lips. Oh, 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 so it's him. Okay. He kissed me. On the vagina. I slug him. Because you don't hate him. I don't. You ever study about frogs and pollywogs? Yeah. The pollywogs tail the, This is the birds and bees frog. conversation. Yeah, she's they're opening the heart. They probably thought this was heavy, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, listen, we're, we're going to deal with some topics we're here. We're going to punch the audience in the face early on this You one. know, but, but like in this very kind of, you know, Norman Lear was so, cast such a shadow in 70s television that everyone was kind of a knockoff of Norman Lear. Are we still talking about Eric? Look, Ruthie, things are starting to happen. Ruthie. Your hair is starting to look decent. You're starting to fill out. 
Sort of. Tit joke. Sort of. Tit joke. You're not fat like me. <laughs> Even though she's not. She's not, but you can tell they were like, we need a, she's the, she's the burly gal. She's got a more fuller face. She's the tomboy. You know? Well, no, Kim Richards is the tomboy. Yeah. Yeah. But Usually they wait till season three to get the homely character hot. Okay. <laughs> it happened with Manny Santos and Degrassi. Oh, Was there any show you can remember where the homely nerd character, yeah, like, yeah. where you're like, holy Christ, she's hot now? Yeah, what was that again? God, because that's, that's always been a theme. And there's been a movie. Sabrina was a movie about um, that. You know, yeah, um, what, what was? Um, it's a good, it's um, a good one, Keith. Who's the uh, Square Pegs broad? I was going to say Sarah Jessica Parker yeah. in Square Pegs. Yeah. I think well, the, that show only ran for a year. I, I wasn't really that into it. I, I did not discover Square Pegs. I was more into the dramas of that time. St. Elsewhere, uh, Hill Street Blues, right. you know. Tomorrow, leaving you with this thought. If a man still so he's like a Frasier type guy. His tonsils, yeah. Chances are he's a doctor. What, what was that joke? I'm sure it was crap. I wanted to hear the joke. Shit. Want, Here we go. Can I we go, go back, back a little bit, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear what his bad joke is. This is introducing okay. this next scene after the birds and bees conversation with the older One sister and the younger sister. I'm talking about Ruthie. It's starting. What is starting? Sex. <laughs> oh, God. That was a bad take. So that she's like bone. That means this girl's bone. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's like two years older, three years older. So the fat guy is his producer. Yep. Sitting behind the controls. going into hibernation until tomorrow, leaving you with this thought. If a man still has his appendix and his tonsils, chances are he's a doctor. Wow. That's a bad joke. That's really flat. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's a doctor because he didn't get taken out. Like, he's got what? a nice little studio, though. How can a grown man sit there but this, this woman, you've seen her before, right? She's like I a known actress. Or actor. That's real fat. What a weird shape. Fat guy. There's a hummingbird right in front of the window. Here you go, Larry, one-on-one. <laughs> He's a funny Here you go, Larry. You want to smear chocolate syrup all over me? Get his name. He couldn't have lasted more than two years after the show. He had a heart attack. There's a death connection with him. His sidekick is this very overweight, funny fat guy. Real girl boy kiss. Check your watch. I'll give it to her now. I bet this is how your rubber ducky got sick. Boo. Morgan, you're no fun. Oh. Why do you ask? Well, this is the this would be like my acting if I actually had to act. Okay, so the guys who created this show were veteran writers from Ozzy and Harriet and the Andy Griffith Show. Wow. They also worked on One Day at a Time. Yeah. Well, they had their run. It's time to move on. George Mamoli. Yeah. Let's see. Of course, he died. very important. It's wonderful and sweet and tender, holy Christ! He died. Mamoli died in 1985. Yeah, of course. From injuries sustained in an accident involving a stunt car during the filming of The Farmer in 1976 or 77. Wow! So he still had lingering injuries from then. Ugh! And he's still acting here. Look at him. He's just—he's morbidly obese. Yes, he absolutely is. He wasn't in anything else. Maybe she can straighten you out. Oh, is the sure thing? Oh yeah, th th that was a movie with John Cusack. He was man in bar, <laughs> lunch wagon, swap meat. Oh. 
Oh. When you hear these stories of these actors who've had little minor moments of success, I find it to be depressing. Mamoli's last TV appearance was in the Hill Street Blues episode, The Rise and Fall of Paul the Wall. Oh, I Paul remember that. the Wall He's actually a good character. He's a mobbed up dude. Exactly. I remember that episode. It's a good episode. Because someone has a heart attack trying to pick him up because he's in the basement. He dies. He also played Philbin in Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise. And Jenkins in Scorsese's collaborator, Paul Schrader's Blue Collar. And he had a small but memorable memorable role in Rocky playing the ice rink worker who will sporadically count down allows Rocky and Adrian to I just saw that two days ago. Yeah, he's that But he gained all this weight. That was filmed. He wasn't fat then. That injury must have messed him up, man. That injury must have messed him up. Oh, he's, 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 he's having the awkward conversation about sex. You see, it starts with him like folding his legs wrong. He was in Mean Streets, too, and New York. Oh, yeah, he was one of the guys in Mean Streets, exactly. He, he actually... And he, Taxi he, Driver Scorsese loved this guy. Oh, yeah, no, no. So he had a little bit of a career. He had a little bit of a career. Now, now you know, I was down on him. I felt bad for him. Now I actually like him. He, he lived a good fat life. My head turned away so I wouldn't have to talk to him. You know, all the guy did was kiss you. He didn't try to finger blast you. <laughs> right? I'll get Xy now. Yeah. I'll get Xy. <laughs> Dad, what's love? What's love? Oh, let me see. Dad is squirt uh, pee. Like, what if she just like asked, like, "Holy Christ!" Squirt pee. Random question like that. I actually like squirt. Well, that's your basic biggie, honey. Love is a. Love is a warm feeling between people. It's like if if you wanted my special three wood, I'd give it to you. Whoa, that is that that was a little odd. That was a little odd. Wood and sex, and but then also if like you his, would want my special three wood, I would give it to you. I'm isolating the piss out of that. That's a drop. Yeah. Or being worried when somebody says they're going to show up and then they don't, or it can be like sharing things, memories, little inside jokes. Music, music. Yeah, I like if I said, um, "Hey, I just heard a great Gordon Jenkins record." Who you know the fuck I is Gordon about? Jenkins? I have no idea. You see, your mom would. Were they going to get sued? See, because his mom. I, I think his mom. I think her mom may have died. I think he's like a widower. Oh, absolutely. He's a widower trying to raise two teenage daughters. Boy, I see gold there. You can see why it's got greenlit. You know, it makes sense. Well, yeah, boy, we got like a teenage girl. Every sitcom, we got, you know, I mean, of that era. Eight God, is enough. Thirteen is too much. Yeah, well, eight is enough. Was uh, that was big? That was Dick Van Patten. You know, hello, Larry. But but it was, <laughs> I was going to say, um, Stevenson should I forgot. It's a good point. He's holding a pink balloon oh, oh, oh. filled with water. When I think of Annie Hall, and when, when Woody Allen goes to L.A. because he has his buddy who lives and writes in television. He sounds like Kissinger. You know, and then, yeah, and, he's like, and, and it's all like the laugh tracks. Like the guy's like, and what is it with the laugh tracks? And you're taking woods and you know, it's, whatever. And he, he starts getting sick because he has to make a, a presentation at, a, at an award show and he just gets totally, he fakes illness because he just doesn't want to do it because he hates it so much. <laughs> this is too long of a scene. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, the art we get it. Is, yeah. you, you showed her the big balloon. You said you were going to give her your three wood. It's over. She gets it. You're going to fuck her. Yeah. What, yeah what, what was the balloon reason again? I have no idea. That's dude. odd. Yeah. I, I The fact that there was a balloon and they're talking about it. See, now it's, see, he's the awkward guy. She's just fine with it. His legs fell asleep because he's 
this for the rest of my life. I was sitting. By the way, when I look at him, I remember thinking he was a totally old man. That's what I'm going to look like in the next two or three years. <laughs> I'm stuck down here like a Navajo, sitting Indian style. Yeah, exactly. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, you said. <laughs> Classic joke. Dad, Eric's out there. What'll I say to him? Tell him you spent the night gargling. Damn. <laughs> Honey, just keep it honest. Now, if you want to discuss the kiss, talk about it. If you want to talk about your feelings or love, kick that around. But if you want to get the knee pads you on and gobble a knob, second base, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let the kid hit a triple. You might blow in my ear. Yeah. Come on, honey. Portland is a long way from LA. I just do like the idea of a filthy Hello Larry. <laughs> He's a you know, decent enough kid. Hi. Hi. Oh my God. His oh. acting is pretty bad. Like, this is how I would act if I would have to act. Oh, it's crow. I watched Rent the other night for the first time. Oh. Isn't it such crap? <laughs> it is so it is that is my collegiate era you realize that's me being in college rent is terrible i detest here's rent. what i told her i go i was like tw 20 minutes in when they introduce angel and he sings the song about fucking the lady and getting the money yeah i was like all they had to do was ask him to borrow that thousand dollars for their rent this is new york in the 80s a thousand dollars covers a year of rent boom <laughs> this plate doesn't have to happen now <laughs> borrow the money from angel he dies from a's at the end so you yeah. don't owe him the money <laughs> like that's the way but, that's the move but, but, the, the whole <laughs> but the whole thing was like it also was the, a year come on the whole movie whenever they're singing their songs against the machine oh. i'm just like but you haven't paid rent in a year i know it's i get a month you're, you're sick i know times are tough a year yeah. You haven't paid rent for a year. <laughs> you have to understand. Are you a psycho? When I was in my, this is, I think about that. This is God, so, I, how old I am. I didn't realize that play was so new. Oh, oh it's yeah. 96. Yeah, yeah. And it was, well, the guy. Also, the guy who made it did not die of AIDS. He died of a random fucking blood disease. Oh, really? The day before it was supposed to open, he died. And that, it's like a Bradley Knoll sublime thing. A lot of people think that added to well, the popularity. That's the reason why it was popular. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's it's unwatchable. He kind of stole 4,048 years and He stole the idea from not stole it but so the dude who wrote the play based it on a play called Le Bohème oh, yeah. which was oh, essentially yeah, exactly. like a, a French play, yeah. play about yeah, like Italians huge. in France living yeah. the bohemian life yeah exactly and then he got this dude that made it rent to like add some mod because he wanted to make it in modern New York yeah and then the guy was like hey can I make this about my life and then I'll just pay you the money yeah so he took the play from this guy and completely changed See, it oh oh interesting and like just did the framework of them being bohemians basically yeah. is the only thing that stuck and then yeah. he was just like well I live with gays and shit and my yeah. roommate has AIDS uh, well, he didn't talk like that. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if he was that much of a fruit. But the uh, whole I think he was completely straight. I think he had- No, like no, he was gay. He was gay. I think he was gay. Well, what do I know? Uh, all I know is that that when I look at that and, and the era that took place in 89, I mean, I was a sophomore in college that year. In fact, I just started my junior year. So, I mean, I was like getting into college at that point. And like that whole like scene of like, I'm going to be, a, you know, a, it's kind of pre-spoken word. Like it was like, I'm a performance artist and I'm going to talk about the man. Like There was this whole thing of like, we're going to recreate my the Lower East part, Side of the 60s. My favorite part you know? is 
they'll be singing a song and they'll just like I some of a lot of the songs have to do with AIDS, but they'll just randomly throw AIDS in it. Like they're singing yeah. a song about like yeah. being angry at the bankers. Yeah. For and then all of a sudden, some dude just goes to a chalkboard and writes "fight AIDS," <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" I know it's it's so heavy handed. It's so heavy handed. I know, I know, and, and it's it's just not good. It's not good. I hate it. I hate Rent, but I also it's hate catchy, it because though the songs are catchy. Oh, they suck. They're terrible. I want to have fun. Oh, she was hot. Obviously, Rosario Dawson's easy on the eyes. But what a bad, also bad the, movie. The song, bad. The play, song, bad. Movie. The song Bon Jovi sings when he when Mimi's fucking dying. He I looks know. like Bon Jovi, the oh, guy in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Rosario Dawson's character is dying. Yeah. If you, she's junkie, I was right? looking at my phone while he was singing that song. Yeah. If you don't watch it, his emotions. It sounds like he's psyched that she's dying. Like you don't. <laughs> get that he's singing about his, oh, like his girlfriend tone. dying yeah like, yeah yeah sing sad yeah yeah like well, i was looking at my phone this is a gay man writing about the heterosexual relations you know like i don't get it me, me. <laughs> so <laughs> there were part like it, and they gotta go to santa fe that was a big thing too like if you if you really wanted to go deep dive like of my era like there, those are people those yeah, people when he like, was like i'm moving to santa fe santa fe, santa like, fe was boring no but that, that was like an artisan colony you would go to to like georgia o'keefe did you would just go in there like ansel at you know some old artists because there, there's a lot of artist colonies around yeah there. it's such a pretentious thing to do if people those people were not quite it's like I, joshua tree I, I was a little bit younger than them it's like being like i'm gonna go live in joshua tree man but they're yeah but the, <laughs> but they're uh they're that that the people age group of that of rent are like four to five years older than me and they were there was a real asshole pretentious scene of the late 80s that they to me that's what it represented i have no compassion for for rent i, I think it's unwatchable <laughs> i don't like it i don't like its characters it's my generation you're this. talking about that, i didn't even you know? know this and i don't here's so what my bad. time was weird like Time went so much slower for me back then. I yeah. didn't realize Rent came kind of off the heels of Chicago. Oh, no, no, Rent, no, no, no. Rent was, I think, before No, Chicago. Rent was after. Chicago was, after was Chicago? 02. Rent was 05. Rent was 05. The movie. Oh, yeah. God, okay, because the play was the 90s. Yeah. And it, and it obviously- So, because yeah. the, mov- the movie Rent was a failure. Yeah. It, 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 cost thir- it cost like $80 million, and it only made like 30. Yeah. And yeah. you could tell, no, it cost 45 because it had the exact same budget as Chicago. Wow. So you Chicago could tell was a hit. Chicago made like $300 million yeah. and won like all the Academy Awards. Yeah. And you could tell after Chicago, they were just like, well, rent's going to be a hit. Yeah. I'm sure they were hoping for that. And it was just not good. Well, there's not this, well done. It was good with people that were, because all the, all the girls that were my age at the time love it. Like my friend Bobby's wife eats rent to oh, death god it's so bad it's people women in their 30s love rent yeah leah berman Ugh. it's like i think she'll probably be upset that we're talking shit about yeah it. i know because because it's not good it's not good it, it, it's not good uh it, it is and again i will go back to and i look at it's it's a rep it's my that is gen x that is the era. Well, they're, what they're made me get looking into it because i was what made me look into it is because i was i was opining that like there probably aren't a lot of musicals that made money like it's probably a hard i think it's a tough one to I, I th- but there are musicals that definitely break i think of cabaret as being see a but good like and that's musical, what because then you, you could because then i was thinking Political. of like stage musicals but then you have like the sound of music which made a shitload oh, of money which of i which huge. i also hate oh 
so square. It's like nine hours, hours long. The Von Trapp. They always would have it at the music box in Chicago. You know, the, uh, the music box was one of my favorite places in the city back in the 90s, but I sort of grew out of it. I'm going to continue Hello, Larry. <laughs> As we go from this deep dive into we me burying my soul about, the, about Gen I mean, X. We have about 10 minutes left of this show. It's not good. Yeah. So we could talk about... The pits. The pits. I'm so God, that was such a 70s. We got, hey, if life is a bowl of cherries, got, why am I in the pits? Gold, <laughs> gold drops, though. We got gold drops. Yeah. Puberty's oh, yeah. the pits. This dude, I remember this guy being in a few things. No, Emmeline Dirk was no lady. <laughs> Emmeline Dirk was my wife, and she's a dead hooker. God, we have one. I, I I don't I don't get that reference. I, I don't apologize. know either. There's so many people. The, the musician he referenced earlier. By the way, his, the knot in his tie says 1979. That fat than, rounded knot. It was a Windsor knot. It was a Windsor knot. You know, you had a Windsor knot. Harry Carey used to have a Windsor knot. That was like an old school. You got a Windsor knot. Like it was a big knot. Not you know, it was like a, the bigger. One. I have a, a narrow one when I do a tie. But like the big knot was a Windsor knot. I do Windsor, but I make it smaller. Like yeah. you could pull on it a little bit. Yep. A Windsor knot. I, I never learned the skill. I learned how to tie a tie when I was in the fourth grade, and I still tie it the same way. I truly learned from That's my a- best friend Wesley's wedding. I watched a YouTube video. Yeah. Bow ties are a different game. I've never fucked with a yeah, bow tie in my life. Bow ties are. They're a little bit, I don't know. There's something uptight about a man wearing a bow tie. <laughs> Do you know why I brought up Rento? Because he looks like Anthony Rapp. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, hello, Larry. There's a connection between Hello, Larry and Rent. <laughs> And that's okay. <laughs> there's a there's a through line of McLean Stevenson's Hello Larry to oh rent is so bad. You know. But it does, it is it, it captures like Gen X. It's very much like a Gen X movie, like that time period. And, and trying to be like hip, it starts with the renter strike. You know, well there's you know your squatters' rights, hey, we're just living in free housing. We should just be able to live here. Well, okay, but you're gonna get some flack for a year. You're gonna get some some flack. It's not so bad to go out and get a job and be able to pay your rent. You know, I discovered with, with working, like working, you, you get a sense of identity with that, you know, and you're and frankly, you're not that interested. Interesting. You know what I mean? I know you want to live this. You're still trying to re- like live Hemingway's 20s by doing that. You know, and it's like, okay, but it sucks not having money. I can tell you that I've been flat broke three different times in my life. And I hate that feeling. It's an awful feeling, you know? So anyway. Uh, yeah, but it tries to capture that time of rent, you know, of, of New York City and the Lower East Side. Well, also what it did, but I find interesting, the guy who, who basically gave the play to the to the uh whoever yeah. i think his name was mark something stevenson yeah. or whatever yeah uh he hated that they changed it to the title to rent like it was the almost the one thing he wasn't cool with like the dude had to really convince him that he was like i despise that they changed the title of the play to rent like i think he wanted to call it the bohemians or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah which would have been so fucking i don't know but rent was because who's you gotta, gotta pay your rent, man. You gotta make that rent check. But you know you're living with a bunch of people because you're trying to chase your artistic passion. Well, how do you do that, man? Hey, you know, and, and that, that is a fundamental tension. You know, the 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 financial side of it. You know, it's like I've discovered a lot of people who become kind of working, comma, you know, getting a paycheck that they came from money and it allowed them to fuck around for years and get good well, at it also without they, having any it kind of anxiety. Of bleeds in together. They don't. My thing is, I don't think they do a good job of like separating their grievances because at, at at a certain point, you're just like, wait, are you blaming these rich guys for you having AIDS too? 
Yeah, yeah. You're trying to draw like, that link or, or, or not doing research on it to actually. Like, it was. what is, like, I get you have AIDS. Yeah. You still owe your rent. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what does you having AIDS have to do with the fact that you are squatting in a building for a year? Yeah. Well, it, it definitely was capturing that time period of like, there was, I mean, the gay community was fucking marginalized during that time. I get that. Hardcore. But so still. I, I, I don't think, it, it, I, yeah, there wasn't a. The, the way the, the voice to fight back against it hadn't been discovered because that fucking AIDS man it put people flat on their back and marginalized communities got fucking destroyed by that virus and stigmatized hardcore hardcore that's part of the reason why this COVID thing's interesting to me and that's you when they said no one's going to speak for us while we're going to sing for yes, ourselves exactly you know and get involved and like act up five hundred you know? <laughs> 4,048 minutes and 16 seconds in a year. No, oh, I can't stand it. It's the one song they pick up throughout the whole fucking. It's like the theme, like the through line. Yeah. It's like, because I have, to be honest with you, I can't sit through the whole thing because I hate hours. it so much. Two hours. I've probably watched 45 minutes of Rent. I have watched enough to know I really don't like it. Do you know the episode you know, so of The Flash we watched with that girl you liked? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. The dude who plays her dad in that show is in the movie Rent. Yeah. Because yeah. every episode of The Flash, they have a musical episode. Every season, they have like a where, a, like a sing-through episode. Because all the people in The Flash are theater God. queers. God, I... I like singing theater, I I just sing, I I used to want to be I liked acting in the plays. See, in elementary yeah. school, I had to get in with those kids because to be to act in the plays, you had to do choir for a year. So in fourth grade, in fourth in fourth grade, yeah. in fourth grade, <laughs> in fourth grade, I had to join the choir because I wanted to be in the plays in fifth grade. Wow. Okay. And I used to just lip sync. I would stand there and mouth sing with the rest of the choir. Wow. Wow. And I did that a few times. I did that a few times. Yeah. I didn't like choir. You know, I, I think it, eh, it's crazy. <laughs> what, what a, what a weird time, you know, like uh, when you're a kid that age, man. <laughs> but, but with here's Rent, the final, he's the final Kim Richards thought we'll, we'll end with some audio here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just a second. That piece Dad, of art. For you. Who is it? Eric's father. <laughs> oh, because McLean Stevenson had a talk with Eric. Yeah. Oh, he's sick, right? Uh, plug me in and then set me on nine. <laughs> What's that? I don't plug know. Me in, set me on nine. Uh, hello, what was Mr. that? Ah, uh, yes. Uh -huh. No, no, sir. Uh, Eric got that wrong. No, Emmeline Dirk was 13. <laughs> Oh, yes. It's a, it's a callback to a joke that didn't work the first time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to look up who Emmeline Dirk is. Well, maybe, but I don't. What's he saying? Honey, it's hard to tell. The man's got a few tiles missing from his roof. Oh, man. Yeah. The way he's. Like, it's phone acting. I'm phone acting right now. No, I don't So, phone acting needs to be a little more subtle. Like you're actually having a conversation. No, sir. Miller. Miller. Okay, so that's a pretend that person. True. Emmeline Dirk doesn't exist. Woman, that is a reference that they that created for the show. This is the sixth episode of the first season. Okay, so, like, okay. there's probably. <laughs> Thank you for the background. Good. Yeah, there's, there's a little yeah, bit of history in it. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, everybody's getting the wrong impression. First, Diane tells me I got to keep my eye on Eric's hands. Does she have a cold? They're all sick, probably. Man, that was just a dumb little kiss. 
I'm not going to have his child. Yeah. Come on, Ruthie, you can't yell at dad like that. Yes, she can because she's right. Whoa. There I you told go. you to be honest with Eric. Jeez, I never should. <laughs> she's not I letting him get away. She's going to force him to be a father. Hello, Larry. About a rose and warm rain and kissing a frog and womanhood. What? This lasted 38 episodes. 38, 38 episodes. You know something? You got paid some money. Like, like he lived off that money for a couple more years. You know, I mean, what, what do you think? He, I wonder what a, Kim Richards got like significant. She aged a lot between seasons, too. Yeah. Like if because they have different. They have a different set of credits for season one and two. No, that's yeah. Okay, I forgot my jacket. It's this little twink. I, I know exactly. It's like, why would you be that sort of well, embarrassed and sad looking? The casting decision on this. Wow. Or wow. even the emotion. Why are you so uptight that you kissed a girl and he fucking? I know things are awkward. Oh. What if he just tells him all he's gay? I like boys. I've been watching the village people, and it's when you kissed me, I was thinking of kissing your dad. I'm, you know something, Keith. Now this is starting to bother me. Actually, I'm actually upset with it. It's so bad. He doesn't have a saxophone. Yeah, I figured. This is the final scene, right? Yes. Good. Okay, and then we're going to smoke and then do bear quarterbacks uh, to close this bitch out. It's so, yeah. I tell you, I liked our rent comp, our rent digression. I got to a deep place there, Keith. I got to a place of, uh, you know, kind of what that was kind of representative of. And I, I don't know why. Maybe I, I yeah. get so viscerally angry is maybe on some level, maybe I thought I could have done something like that. But, you know, you're romanticizing that life. And it's just not, and life isn't easy. Here we go. Time. They're going to figure it out here. Uh-oh, let's see what they were. Let's see, see what was so funny. I know. Uh, Ruthie? Yeah? You gonna take the pill? <laughs> no. Me neither. It reveals his lack of knowledge. He's an immature kid. Here we go. Do you think we're too straight? I don't know. See, straight back then meant kind of square. Do you? I asked you first. Yeah. Okay. No. Me neither. That's what my uh, my stepfather used to describe me as. Uh, Ruthie? Yeah? I think I can kiss a little better than the last time. Yeah, it wouldn't take much. Jesus, Ruthie. There you go. They're going to make it's out sweet. on Hello, Larry. That's They're making. Sweet. Clint Stevenson's jerking under that blanket. That's my grown up little girl. By the way, they're just like they're just holding lips. <laughs> exactly. It's like, move around. Get your hands involved. That's it's like do. they're freeze framing. God. What a bizarre end. <laughs> it ends on a pill joke. And then they wonder why this got no grip, or I, I'm sure it just. Oh man, man. Well, let's see what the end was. 
tomorrow night after chips, watch a special two-hour Rockford Files. Jim joins forces with Richie Brockman to pull off a super sting and out con a con man. Dennis Dugan guest stars on the Rockford Files after chips tomorrow. Yeah. Sunday after the wonderful world of Disney, see Robert Redford as Jeremiah Johnson. Stay tuned now for the excitement of sweepstakes next on NBC. Oh, I would love it when they would do that. They, they give you a preview of the shows coming up. You'd listen for that. You'd wait for that. You know? All right. I think that's a good, good yeah, that is. end of break. That and was we're gonna, good, though. We're going to take a break. And Here in we'll the Rockford Files. <clears throat> Rockford Files was a good show. That's the new break interstitial. Do, do, do you know? the end of Hello, Larry. <laughs> do you know that it makes sense? It, we begin with it. We end with it. It comes full circle. Those people in Michigan, my, my brother was telling me he's, because uh, he's obsessed with it and he hates living in Michigan because he thinks it's the most racist redneck area. Because it is, you know, I mean, the, the race thing is big there. Like, it's big. And, and it's rough. Detroit is a rough, beat up, old area. And it's you know? got a lot of, it's got a big Muslim population. Yeah, right? yeah it, it's a different, I mean, and, and yet there's also like old money there. You know, like like where my brother, where he lives in Gross Point, that's like, <clears> you know, the Fords still live there and yeah. stuff. There's like three NFL owners lived, lived in Gross Point, uh, in Gross Point, like at one time. You know, the, the owner of the Bills, the Broncos, and the Lions lived in Gross Point. Who's so there's the, like, uh, Ralph Wilson? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so, so funny how these owners, like, he owns the Bills but lives in Detroit. Buy the Lions and make them fucking. Well, I think the, that was the Ford Jim family. Kelly. That, 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 that was the Ford family. That, 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 was their, that was their toy, you know? We can do this. We'll give the hey, have, I, have I brought sports, that conspiracy you know? up on that show that someone once told me that Henry Ford was so anti-Semitic? That he how anti-Semitic was he? All right, we go. God damn it! I wish I had a fucking rim shot. Uh, that he got he on purpose got wanted Muslims to keep Jews away in the city. That he encouraged wow. Muslims to move to Michigan because wow. he didn't want Jews in the city or the state. And he knew that that would be a yeah. What a I, I, I could believe that, couldn't you? I mean, I told that to paper, one of my I mean, comic friends, and he looked at me like I was a fucking Alex Jones Infowars psychopath. So well, I highly doubt that it's true. Well, I tell you, he what. just looked at me and goes, "Yeah, that's not true." <laughs> it was so he shot me down so hard. I, I, I wouldn't be because I, I know Henry Ford. I mean, his his newspaper. That's why a lot of Jew, Jewish folks don't buy. Because he, products. the reason he shot that down, he shot that down is because he goes, Detroit's not even where the all of them are. It's Dearborn that has the biggest population. Yeah, yeah he would have know. he would have no say in that. But 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 the I was whole, like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but but I know he was really really anti-Semitic. His newspaper. His newspaper. We were talking about how they like, say Disney is Henry yeah, Ford. Henry was Ford fucking actually was. He actually was. You know, Von Braun, so. the dude who created NASA, was a fucking straight up Nazi. <laughs> Nazi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what a crazy thing for the intelligence agencies in, in, in both Russia, in the Soviet Union, and, and in America, just to say we got to get these guys throwing these rockets at us, dude. Those things are kind of working. <laughs> that's why like, these are pretty. I mean, it, it got pretty cutting edge. You, you know? could say all you want about people on the right and all these hateful people. Yeah, some of them aren't dumb. Like, what, what, oh, oh, there okay. are some very wickedly intelligent, hateful right wing people. Absolutely, and those are your fuckers absolutely. who mail SARS bombs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. This you idea know? that, and that's what stokes it when they, when you start this fucking everyone like talking down. Everyone on, yeah. on the right is a bumbling fucking dumb yeah, fuck. Yeah. You, do you want a fucking acid fucking trap sent to your I, door? I know. Well, and and that's all. That's also part of their awfulness. Their evilness. <laughs> 
is there willing to I, i'm gonna kill you over it you know it's just, yeah I, I, it's interesting you know what i've been watching this week keith i was watching um uh trial by media the george clooney produced thing on netflix we were watching that yeah, oh, the blog. I, I, I haven't gotten to that. I watched the first two. We skipped around. We didn't yeah. watch it in order. I'm watching it in order. I watched the first two ones. The first one was the Jenny Jones one. Yeah. Where, where the guy- You know, she was a stand-up comic. Oh, God. She she looks that way. Like a bad comic. There's a certain bad female comic that she looks like. She's of that class. And, and she's awful. She's horrible. Uh, and then- <laughs> It's truth, though, man. I mean, it's, she's bad. She created- She gave us fucking Rude Jude. Ugh. So- Shout out to Rude Jude, Sirius XM. But what all, also with, and then the second one was the Bernard Getz one. Bernard Getz was interesting to me. Bernie Getz was on Opie and Anthony in the 90s. Oh, oh, oh. He, they, he's, like from a, like, from he's like a, he's a libertarian cult hero. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it is so hostile and it is so what's defiant. Your burn, what's your opinion on him? My opinion on him? I think he is racist, but was defending himself. Oh, 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 no, he was absolutely defending himself. There's no doubt about that. Where his defense got weak, though, like those kids came at him. He had been mugged earlier, and New York was truly crime infested then. I mean, truly was unsafe. It was. We were going there. You know there, about Bernie you know? Getz, babe? So then uh, this is a He was a guy, 84. late 80s. Uh, uh, he was, 84. Was he was on a train, right? Yeah. And a bunch of black dudes came at him, and he killed him. Well, well, he he, he 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 didn't kill all. No, he he, he killed one of them. Yeah, but none he of them actually died. None of them died. But he had he, he was carrying a gun. He became an absolute poster boy of the NRA, and yeah. that's what they talk about in this: is that the NRA wasn't. I mean, it, it was he, a shot in the arm. For he the got NRA. acquitted. He got acquitted. He got acquitted for, in '87, and it was like one of the first. Like Al Sharpton was involved. Yeah. in it too. You know, like protesting it. But but the fact is, what, he was absolutely defending himself. He was. He was where where, where he lost the self defense argument was. He shot the other th- the three guys. I think he shot him in the back, which is also an issue. Shot him in the back. One guy, I guess, acted like he was shot. He stopped after shooting him three, th- getting three shots off. Then he went over and said, "You look like you need one." And put when he said that. And, and when he said that, it was like that, that. That's where it's like, oh yeah, the, you had the, the upper hand. Yeah, and, and this guy was like not doing anything, and he went and, and that guy was made put in a wheelchair. He was made a uh, a paraplegic, not a quad, but a paraplegic, and had severe brain damage. And then he was he was acquitted in '87. He got sued in uh in civil court and had a forty three million dollar judgment, but just declared bankruptcy right afterwards. So he hasn't paid a dime of that to the family. And he still lives in Queens. He still lives in New York. He was on Opie and Anthony. Yeah, yeah. He's st- I mean, he's still around. He's a big pothead. He's a huge pothead. <clears throat> he was, honestly, you know? you know what? And this is just come yeah. at listening to it as a kid with no, like the, as first hit, like I heard yeah. about it on the Opie and Anthony show. Yeah. He seemed like a million laughs. Really? He we, seems we, like, a, we, like a great guy. Seriously. He, but the reason people even hate him now is he's like, People don't like that he's just like completely lived his life. Oh, oh and, and they asked him. <clears> like, aside from going on shows to talk about it, he lives as if like he oh. just got into a fight one day. Well, well, he says, and he's asked the question. He was, he was like, you know, are you? Would you do it different if you go back? And he's just like, no. I mean, he just stands behind what happened. He just stands behind it, and it's like, and I'm sure some people look at that and say, there's a strength in that. He's standing his ground. That's what he's doing. He's standing his ground. It's just like well, what the yeah, people, what a lot you're of the, a hate-filled human what a lot being of the O and A people, what, what a lot of the O and A people liked him was that it was yeah that they took him as like a see this is this is the positive of having a gun on you. Oh yeah, that like this oh, yeah. this oh, the this hardworking this hardworking guy could have been dead. 
if he didn't if he wasn't armed. And this whole narrative came out that the NRA still uses to this day was if the government can't can't protect you, then you have to protect you because you know urban America then was so fucking violent. You, you adventures and babysitting. We've talked about it here on the show. Before. Oh, Chicago was a fucking. It, it, it was deemed like going into the city was like it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I remember coming down to Wicker Park in 1990, <laughs> and it was shopping carts and junkies and it was rough around the edges you know and like you wouldn't go west of halstead for a long time you know or I if mean, you went north of north avenue oh it was and, and north avenue that was, was just north and halstead was Cabrini, central north and know? halstead was the robert Ca- taylor homes yeah right? or, or no Cabrini Cabrini. Was, it was division it was yeah. division it's division right there i remember going down yeah division many times going over to the old uh improv you know but, oh um, yeah, the improvisation yeah. when it yeah. was the improvisation. Yeah, in uh, on Wells, some of my very first sets of stand up was going up there. Wasn't Had there some a really funny good firm sets in yeah, well, downtown? Funny Firm was my very first place ever to stand up. <laughs> and my dad firm. says there was a place that you might that it might have been before your time in the eighties called the Comedy Cottage. Uh, there was the comedy, and then the comedy womb was in the suburbs. It was like a western suburbs you would go to. I went up there, had a bunch of friends show up, and I fucking bombed. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I had one of those sets. I've been doing comedy for less than six months. I didn't have ten minutes. I couldn't do ten minutes. That was I was biting off way too much more than I could chew. And I remember just bombing. And it was a terrible show. It was this horrible experience. I was completely embarrassed. <laughs> I remember that, like being like just bummed out about my how bad it went, you know. Right, I also I'm pulling up this Bears quarterback. I, I, I would thing. go. We can I keep go, talking. But, I'm just okay, gonna I'm gonna cool. slip in a Bears quarterback. Cool, cool. At, at a random point. I, I was, uh, and then I went to the improv. I remember one time I did a, a guest set on a Wednesday at a five minute set, and I killed. I completely connected with the crowd. Well. They got me, and I was like, "Holy shit, that felt great!" They gave me a ten a ten minute set three days later on a Saturday night. It's the worst bomb I've ever had in my entire life. I, my worst bomb, where I, where I was truly devastated afterwards. I didn't cry, Keith, but I almost cried. I, I had a lump That's in my great. throat. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. There was a moment before the pandemic where I bombed at an open mic, and I had to text James and like. I told him this is so fucking lame. <laughs> I told him I go. I need someone to tell me that I'm funny. <laughs> I was I was like I need you to just say that I'm funny right now cuz like I'm really I'm really questioning things right now man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you man. It, it's uh <laughs> You know yeah, sometimes you have a set, but you know something here's what I've learned about that moment cuz I still have moments of that where I get upset where I you know I should connect better than what I did, you know. Uh, I have been able to get over my rage on stage a lot, which is a good thing because that that was ultimately my downfall as to why I didn't have more success was my my anger got the best of me, but I couldn't help it. I think anger is one of the emotions that is a driver of of that and pain. Maybe some would say they're the same. No, it, it's really not my pain. It's my anger that actually drives a lot of my comedy. And you know that's. That's not an easy. That's not. A, that's not what people want from a comedian. Yeah. I think you, you got to be Part pretty of, damn good if you're going to be angry. Well, and my, you got to be pretty damn good. My big know? problem, and it's hard to deal with this when you're fucking literally walled off. Is I'm so walled off, a little bit still. What? 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 From what? Like from I just like whenever I get. I'm not as comfortable on stage out here as I was in Chicago. Yeah, and like it. It. Yeah. It just hinders. It hinders how comfortable I am, and it makes me stay too scripted. Yeah, because I'm too yeah. I'm too worried about slipping up. Yeah, because oh, like yeah. failure means it, it's supposed to mean so much more out here. So the idea of like <laughs> no one remembers, oh, I fucked man. up. 
Yeah, people forget. You know? Or even just kind of like, but I, I get, the, I get the emotion. You, I, mean, I get it's, it. It's, but I mean, yeah. it's more of a risk to be yourself out here because part of you is just like, if I really show people who I am on stage and they don't like it, then it's over. Like then, well, then now I'm fighting such an uphill battle because then people are just like, well, we don't like you. Listen, it's always been an uphill battle, and it's an uphill battle for those who are having big success right now. It's still an uphill battle. I got a feeling that I think there's this belief that a lot of comics have that, hey, if I make it, if I get that breakthrough and I get that first fat check and those checks start coming in, hey, I've made it. No, no, no. Now the work really begins. You know, it's like, okay, you've broke through. Now you have to continue it. So, I mean, it, it is effort. You know, I think a lot of people think like, hey, I'm going to just get there and like coast or something. No, 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 no. It does not work that way, you know? You got you to right. continue to work. Like yeah. even, you know how I am on the podcast where yeah. like, in like how you say I get XE. Yeah, yeah. Like there are times I want to like do crowd work like that on stage, <laughs> but like you get where you're like, do I want to be Mr. Filth? Like you get like, is that, you hey, know what here, I mean? Here's the thing. About, I hear what you're saying. But Keith. I'm a filthy guy. I, I hear what you're saying, Keith. And, and, and I totally get it. Obviously, I, I grew up it. watching fucking Howard Stern yeah. let women ride Sabian machines on E. Like I'm a fucking my dad showed me porn when I was five. <laughs> oh man! Like so, I, yeah, that's uh, that's how he taught me about sex. It's a bit on my album. <laughs> that's like my Birds and the Bees talk was watching porn oh, with my dad. Oof, that's a reveal. So with uh, you know, but you know, you're somewhat normal. <laughs> no, but, but I was gonna say with. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I don't want to dismiss what you're saying about going up on stage and like that kind of concern. If you're going to reveal too much of that, doesn't go well. Some, you know, some, I, I this or is even like sometimes a, a joke will bomb and I'll be like, what are you guys gay? Like, I want to, <laughs> I want to say that, but like, they'll fucking, they'll boo you out of the room well, yeah, if you say of that. Of course. But, but my, uh, my, <laughs> with me, it, it, it is, uh, I, I just, uh, I want to try to ha just have fun. I know it sounds so corny, yeah. but you have to make something about it enjoyable for yourself. So if I've done that on stage and it's also entertained some people, if I've done that, then to me, that's actually the, that's the more positive feeling. Uh, Cause for so long, it was like, I wanted to go up on stage and like correct the world's wrongs, you know, just tell everyone how they're just all wrong. And like, I would occasionally really kill with that. That that's the problem. That that's the effect of Bill Hicks. That's having Bill Hicks be like a legend. Like you, you think you had to like Hicks when I first started doing stand up because you were gonna like change the the the, 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 the art form. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone goes out to change the art form. I think it well, just kind of happens. Also, and that's another thing. Do what makes you laugh. That's also Do what something makes other people laugh. I Do have a hard have fun with it. You know, something I have a hard time with too is I get too caught up in like. Oh, so and so has a bit about this. Now I can't. I can't talk about this now. Like this strive to be so original. Oh, that like that's goofy. That, that that that's preposterous. Yeah, like there are so many bits where I'm just like, well, I can't. That person did that good. Like I can't do that now. Even at open mics, I'll have a com a complete set planned out in my head, and then someone will be like, yeah, I smoked crack when I was a teenager, and I'll be like, well, can't do that bit now. Oh, well, that th 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 that's just again. I'll go back to it. Just do what makes you funny. Do what makes you funny, you know, and, and just do that. And if, if it's those cracked and, and there's been five crack jokes, well, whatever, just do it. And again, try to make it fun for yourself. What, there's this kid named, try to make it there's enjoyable this comic, for yourself. I have a good chunk know? about being half Mexican. It's a good new chunk. Sure. And there's this other comic named Channing Apodaca. And yeah. he has a pretty also, he's, his might even be better than mine. Yeah. And one night we both did them and it both killed and I was outside smoking and one of our other buddies comes out and he goes, 
you and Channing are going to have to fight for that half Mexican <laughs> material. And I was just like, so now, and he was joking. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, yeah, even was- Channing came out and he was just like, you know, I'm more Mexican than you are. Like he was just like, he was like, I'm three fourths, dude. Like, <laughs> but then, but now I just, if That's he's funny. in the room, I don't do that. Those jokes just because subconsciously now I'm just yeah. like, well, now people know. I, I don't know if they even listen or care. You know what I mean? There's they're in their own torture of their own brain. I don't even, you know. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I I don't even. It, that's just just do do what you enjoy, do what makes you funny. Try to make it enjoyable for yourself. You know, and, and yes, work on it. Have ambition. Have goals. You know, try to get your act to get better. You know, even this comic book I'm writing, I've been writing it for like ten years. But anytime I, something, I'll read a comic book and I'll be like, well, you got to take that out of mind now. Well, like, no, they'll, they'll no, be like, that, that, oh, can't that, do that. This person did that. This person did. There's uh, entire runs of comic books. I'll be like, this is the book I'm writing. Like, motherfucker, I have to rewrite my fucking comic now because yeah. it's this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's that, yeah, that's an issue. Basic themes and ideas, though, I think they're always going to be there. You know what I mean? There's certain fundamentals, right? Aren't there certain fundamental stories? Certain oh, yeah. That, that, that are always going to... It's kind of like figuring out the way to kind of tell that in maybe a little bit of a unique way, but still have the same beats and the same sort of... I don't know. You know if, what I'm trying to say? I mean, it's sort yeah. of... I, I think there's certain iconic things that, yeah, so if, if it's a similar idea... You know, still do it. You can explore it in a different way. How many sex jokes have there been for crying out loud? Because everyone's had it, you know, hopefully, you know, and, and like you've thought about it. So, hey, I mean, it doesn't mean that you, it, it's not going to be relevant. There's always going to be a, a space acti- for sex comedy. When I know? activated my phone, my Google Assistant pulled up and it recorded and it almost answered your question when you go, how many sex jokes have, have there been? Oh, yeah. It was going to answer you. You want to know? It's got to be in the millions. <laughs> how many sex jokes have there been? You know. It's probably going to be too uh, vague. It just pulls up is a sense Angela of humor Is that Angela Lansbury sh- sh- uh, for, for PBS? Hell yeah. She's, or, is she still alive? I don't know. Is that Angela Lansbury? No, it's not. It's not Angela Lansbury. It's just someone. Yeah, it, it, but it's one of those uh, actors of that era. We got you know? Downton Abbey on in the background. And yep. speaking of... Ooh, next up, era. we're going to continue our history <laughs> of Bears quarterbacks. Yes. Okay. We stopped at Bob Avellini. Yes. This is when Crocious tapped out. Yep. You can't tell. You got to give me a few here. Can't tap out. We're, uh, at, a, we're at an hour 13. Yeah, but, but, but we went through a lot with that. that was well, we're lot. getting into the good chunk. Well, the the good thing is, is the ones in the 40s and 50s, you can kind of run through. Let's not jinx it. Let's just get into it. Okay. okay. We got Bob Avellini right now. Of course. We talked about him because that, that was the that that was the first quarterback I remember. Yeah. That's what I wanted to get to. So we He went was from, on the Bears for a decade. That's amazing. He played Sixth that Sixth round of the 75 draft. From He's, Maryland. Yeah. He started in the Cotton Bowl. For, you know you who know he played with? Was he Randy good in college? White. Oh, Maryland was a pretty good college football team. Uh, again, Randy White played. Randy White is one of the best defensive tackles, one of oh, the best yeah. football players ever. He he played at Maryland. You know, he was he was the first overall pick, I think, or one. I think he was a first round pick like in '74. So he Bob Avellini was a quarterback when Randy White was there, and they had other NFL players too. But go ahead. Uh, he was only the uh, starter for three seasons. Uh, led the Bears to their first playoff appearance since 1963. Yeah. Uh, well, spot led. starts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then it was Walter Payton's team in 1977. Okay. They went to the playoffs because they had a freak athlete. Then after back. him, we have Who's the Avellini's backup. Bear ever. We have Rusty you know? Lish. I remember him. Uh, 84, career backup. Yeah, he was a backup for the Raiders, too. Okay. Yeah. Seven games and one start. 0 and 1, six picks. He was a Rick Meyer like. 
Then we got Greg Landry. Yeah. Longtime veteran with the Lions and Colts. Landry wasn't really supposed to be starting for the Bears after a stint in the USFL with the Chicago Blitz. Blitz. I was just going to say that. And the Arizona Wranglers. He joined the Bears at 38 during the 84 season as an emergency quarterback. Yep. Man, McMahon went down, dude. Then we have Vince Evans. Well, McMahon wasn't on the team yet, I don't think. Vince he, Evans, sixth round in the 77 draft. He played for seven seasons. First Bears quarterback in Bears history. First black quarterback. First black quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember uh, him. That was a big deal. I remember him being a quarterback. I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Because because L.A., James Harris, and then the – but it was rare. And he started several games for them. He was actually – dude, he was a backup for the Raiders into the mid-90s. He was a good athlete. This says, a decent Evans player. might have been ahead of his time in that he was fairly effective as a runner, though yes. he resisted the Bears' attempts to convert him to a running back. He did return punts his rookie year. Uh, after leaving the Bears in 83, he played for one year for the Chicago Blitz in the USFL. He yep. returned in 87 and spent eight seasons with the Raiders. Yeah, he was a backup for the Raiders uh, because he was actually he, he was a decent quarterback, but honestly, I think the racists were a little bit like, uh-oh. Doug Williams was the other black quarterback at that time that Next, actually got playing time. We got Maserati Mike Phipps. Oh, my God. So he was a superstar at Purdue. Was that his nickname? No. <laughs> uh, he began his career in Cleveland in 1970. Yeah. Uh, and then the Bears traded for Phipps in 77, sending a first-round pick to the Browns. Oof. Unfortunately yeah. for the Bears, that end, that pick ended up being Hall of Fame tight end Ozzie Newsome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Bears, again, once again, their history. You think they'd learn their lesson. Quit trading first-round picks for quarterbacks. They would have learned Rick Myers got to that's got to put a stake in the heart oh. of that because they did it a couple times. You know, Mike Phipps, Mike Phipps was was average at best. I remember being a kid like he was. A, I remember he had vague memories of him. Brian Sipe, you yeah. served him. He stunk. He was not that good. Even the 17 draft was a trade within the first round. At least you didn't trade yeah. the whole fucking round away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was still fucking kind of too much well, you to trade up one you, spot. Didn't you, didn't you trade? The well, because the there's whole thing. No, they gave away uh, their second round pick in that draft. And then like a third round pick. They gave away a bunch of fourth round picks for sure. But they gave up a couple first rounds for but Khalil argument, Mack, right? The arg- oh, yeah. Two yeah. first round picks. The argument against that 17 one was that... The Bears thought the 49er that someone was going to snatch Mitchell that like they yeah. they they were like, we need to go number two because they thought but there no one was going to take him because <laughs> no one needed a quarterback up until that point. Let's talk about the other quarter, Mike Phipps. OK, who's who's I want to Gary uh, Huff, Gary Huff. He, he stunk. He stunk. Then before him was Bobby Douglas. That's correct? Who, yeah. Bobby Douglas, who was a runner. Yeah, absolutely. He, he ran he, for a thousand yards. I don't think he ran for. I think it was he like nine fifty eight. It was nine sixty eight. Yes, and eight touchdowns on yeah. one hundred and forty one carries. He literally completed like thirty seven percent of his passes. Yeah, he had a great arm. He just had no idea where it was going. I think Vic broke yeah. his record, wasn't it? Oh yeah, Vic broke his record. Absolutely. I mean, because Vic got a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Douglas had a record for like thirty years in the NFL, for like seventy two. He was a starting quarterback from sixty nine to seventy five. I, I actually don't really remember him. I just met him through work one time when i worked at the city he was, was he trying. on the avellini teams was he still there no i think he was gone you know what he did he went and played baseball he pitched for the white Sox briefly like oh, in the late yeah. 70s he did didn't he yes he <laughs> did i think he had like a low played one low, season in minor league baseball I, I think he had like a low mid 90s <clears throat> fastball like as a rusher he amassed 2470 yards on 373 carries with 20 touchdowns 
And then as what, a what's thrower, the av- what's the average of that? How many yards per attempt rushing? Uh, um, they don't have it next to it. No. Well, what what are the attempts and what's the yardage again? I'll figure it out. Uh, twenty four seventy on three seventy three. Two two thousand four hundred and seventy attempts. Yep. No, two thousand four hundred seventy yards on three hundred and seventy three attempts. Oh shit! Oh, that, that, that's a pretty good. That, that's a pretty good average. I mean, that, that's yeah. like four or five yards. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it. Think it's above. He averaged six nine in the high well, what year. What numbers again? How many attempts? Three hundred seventy three attempts. Three hundred seventy three. Two thousand four hundred seventy yards. Two thousand four hundred. Yeah, dude, that, that, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's like. Yeah, no, yeah, that's like that's like six or seven yards of carry. So it's like he was actually a threat to run. He just could not. He could not throw the ball. I mean, I think he would have years where he ran for more than he passed for. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like he threw well, for that was also yards. when the the deep the passing game like oh, the Pittsburgh so Steelers. Crude. The Pittsburgh Steelers were such a rarity in the seventies. Like that high flying. That was like what the fuck. But even that in the late seventies, like, that's when they changed the rules. It became more pass happy in the late seventies. There's no doubt they loosened it up. But before that, like I watched Super Bowl ten when they beat the uh, Cowboys for their second Super Bowl with the year the Vikings should have been in there because they had the Hail Mary mm-hmm. pass against them. So whatever. But I was watching it. Bradshaw, uh, Lin Swan was the MVP. He had four receptions for 161 yards, including the, the kebabble uh, play. That yeah, was Bob, pass interference. Absolutely. But, but but the point is, Terry Bradshaw was nine of 19. He threw 19 passes. He not, nine completions, four more to Swan. Probably had two hundred fifty yards. Yeah, or something it was, like yeah, that. it was that because it was all to Swan on long passes. But so that they would they would attack downfield, which was like that was like well because they also had know, Franco. They had Frank. Well, they but they would do these traps with Rocky Blyer and two yards. You know the guards. I mean, they, these running plays were so ultra conservative. You could tell. You could tell they had good players. You could tell they were good athletes on both teams. You could tell these United good, States good veteran teams. Rocky Blyer. Like you could tell, but the the offenses were just. <laughs> We're always done to your bodies. It's a shout out to the veterans, Rocky Blyer. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Then it's- we got Jack Concanon next. Bears quarterback Jack Concanon. The other half of the trade that sent Mike Ditka to the Eagles. Concanon was acquired from Philadelphia before sixty seven. Hallis's last is the Bears. Uh he went seven, six, and one, thirty one touchdowns, fifty two interceptions, five thousand yards. Uh after he was traded to the Cowboys in seventy two uh, it was quitted of charges that he delivered cocaine to an undercover drug agent, successfully arguing entrapment after falling into a desperate financial situation. Wow. And we got Kent Nix. Practice squad in 1970, started a handful of games in 71. Um, and then we got Virgil Carter. Oh, yeah. Virgil Carter. There's a picture of this is Wrigley Field Bears. Yeah. Yeah. Carter was taken in the sixth round of 1967, but wouldn't see any action until 68. Uh, and he was when he was tied for the lead with a three three game winning drives. His tenure was short with the Bears, however, and he was traded to the Bengals after the '69 season, after one season with the now defunct Chicago Fire of the World Football League. Yeah, yep. Uh, and then Chargers Carter returned to the Bears in '76, playing eight games. I remember him. That's probably I, when you I, remember him in the I, '70s. Yeah, I have vague memories of him. I do. Larry Rakestraw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after a solid career at Georgia, which he threw for 3,142 yards and ran for 523, the Bears drafted Rakestraw in 64, the year after they won the title. His pro career never really got off the ground. Rakestraw didn't see the field until 66 and didn't throw a pass for the Bears until 67. See, like, think about that. 
Like, look at the quarterback window now. This guy didn't throw a ball yeah. for three seasons. Well, I mean, they literally, it, it was, that's how much control they wanted to have over that position. That That's how much control also, they Also, the have. 63 Bears had three starting quarterbacks throughout the season, and that yeah. was the national champ, the well, fucking yeah, world they won, champion. Yeah, they won the whole thing. They're like, there was no Super Bowl. They were the world champions yeah, yeah, that they, year. Exactly. That, that was when the Giants had lost like five over six years. Here's this interesting one. Rudy Bukic. Patrick Mahomes, John Elway, and yes, Jay Cutler are known for their strong throwing arms, but even they might not have been able to hold a candle to Bukic, which makes sense given his nickname was The Rifle. According to Pro Football Talk, Peter King wrote in his book, Greatest Quarterbacks, uh, that witnesses, including Mike Ditka, once saw Bukic throw a football 100 yards. (laughs) Bukic also helped the Bears win the 1963 NFL Championship, appearing in six games and throwing three touchdowns while backing up Billy Wade. Bukic's best year was 65. He threw for 2,641 yards, oh. good for second in the NFL, 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions. That's a good year. As the Bears finished nine and five, he was named second team all pro that year. But the, I'm sure that was in the Packers were dominant though, the right? The St. Louis native uh, played probably, yeah. yeah. 65. Yeah, that was when yeah, Bart yeah, Starr yeah, was yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was like, the third one of the Packers. Next year was the Ice Bowl. Yeah, they didn't win in 66 and 60. No, no. They won in 61, 62, and 65. And then they won it in 67 and 68. The St. Louis native played 14 years in the league, including nine seasons that covered two stints with the Bears. uh, Bukic's career was shortened by two years when he served in the military from 54 to 55. His career totals 8,433 yards, 61 touchdowns, and 74 interceptions. Was he 54 or 64? 64. Okay, okay. He was in the military in 64. No, 54, 55. That was Korea. Oh, well, no, no. No, I don't think it was Korea. I think Korea was over in 53. Uh, but still, he did his time in yeah. the service. You know what I mean? Twenty-one, seventeen, and three as a starter. He also rushed for nine touchdowns. Bukic uh, later became a real estate developer in California before he died in 2016 at 85. He could have been the man. Huh. Billy Wade is next. He was like the big starter. Bears haven't often gotten the quarterback position right. They did with Wade. Acquired via a trade with the Rams, Wade's first season with the Bears came in 1961. He threw a career-high 22 touchdowns and led three fourth-quarter comebacks. Wade quarterbacked the Bears to the 1963 NFL Championship, scoring the team's two touchdowns on QB sneaks and earned All-Pro honors. In 59 games and 49 starts, he was 27-20-2 with 68 touchdowns, 66 interceptions, and 9,958 yards and a 73.6 passer rating. How many touchdowns? 68 and how many how many picks? 66 yeah he, he was decent and he played from when from from 61 till like when again um what was his time frame let's see 61 and then i didn't say when exactly 59 games so what did they play eight games no i think they i think they played a 12 actually yeah so for a probably while. like he probably played for a decade yeah i think he might have got to 14 next but- we got ed brown Taken with the sixth round in the fifty-two in 1952, Brown's numbers don't look impressive by today's standards, but he was a two-time Pro Bowler and kept future Hall of Famer George Blanda out of the starting lineup, relegating Blanda to kicker. Two years of service in the Marines meant Brown's first seasons of the Bears didn't come until 54. His best season came in 56 when he led the NFL in completion percentage, passer rating, and taking the Bears to the championship game, which they lost 47-7 to, to, to the, the Giants. Giants. That was the only one the Giants won. But when the Bears and it was acquired, the only one the Bears went to in the fifties, I think. But when the Bears acquired Billy Wade, hero of the sixty-three championship game, Brown's time was up, and he was traded to the Steelers in sixty-two. 
in 98 games and 66 starts. He was 39-25-2 with 63 touchdowns and 88 interceptions Ooh. with 9,698 yards. That's a lot of picks. It's a lot of picks. Yeah. Uh, we got, people didn't throw the ball that much back then either. Next, we got Zeke Bratkowski. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. He was a coach. He was a, co- yeah. he was all, he, he was a backup for Bart Starr, I think. Drafted in 53, but returned for his senior season, which is they don't let happen anymore. Well, that doesn't happen because you get paid so much money. Yeah. Hey, here's 250 bucks, kid. And that's what it was. I mean, it all American, money. yeah. Um, took a two-year break from the Bears. Uh, joined the Bears in 54, throwing a 64-yard touchdown to Harlan Hill, but later getting benched in the game and didn't start again until the final four games of the season. Yeah. Uh, he was traded to the Rams in 61 and later joined the Packers, winning three NFL titles as Bart Starr's backup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, he, he was the backup for, in the early 60s. And then next we have George Blanda. Uh, who was more of a kicker, but he's still listed as a Bears quarterback. Yeah, in, in the 40s. In 115 it. games and 23 starts, he was 8-12-1 with 48 touchdowns and 70 interceptions, uh, 5,963 yards with a 51.3 passer rating. As a kicker, he was 88 for 201. <laughs> and on he field, missed over half of his kicks. And on field, hilarious. And on field goals, he was 247 for 250. Well, that must have been extra points. That oh, yeah, 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 points. on yeah, extra yeah. points, yeah. Still, for field goals, when I, like, Keith, when I was a kid, like, it was still the era of the kicker who missed, like, 40% of his kicks. Jan Stenrud's in the Hall of Fame. He missed 38% of his kicks. Okay. I mean, now the kickers all make 80% this, or higher. Dude, this is how far you have to go back. This is the exact pick. In 1951, Bob Williams was the number two overall pick out of Notre Dame which he led to a national title in 1949. The promise never fully came to fruition, however. He was behind Lou Jack and Romanick on the depth chart his rookie season. Started a handful of games his second year, was traded to the Baltimore Colts in 53. After two years with the U.S. Navy. All these fuckers went to the military. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Next, we have Steve Romanick. Romanick's career struggled out of the ground, drafted in 50 onto a team that already featured Sid Luckman and Johnny Lujak and George Blanda. They were fucking stacked at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, then. absolutely. Yeah. Well, dude, in the 40s, dude, they were the class of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, the, and, and, I mean, their best ever, of course, is Sid Luckman. We're, we're, we're Next, working we got Lujak. Yeah, Lujak. And then Sid Luckman is going to be coming up soon. Uh, here we go. Sid, psycho Sid Luckman. The Bears never had a quarterback like Luckman. Yeah. And they haven't had a quarterback like Luckman since he threw his last pass. Football has evolved through the years, but Luckman was ahead of his time. One of the game's great passers who set record after record, including seven passes in one game, which Mitchell Trubisky tied his rookie year. Yeah. Uh, taken with the number two pick in the 1939 draft. Uh, Luckman led the Bears to their greatest ever era, winning four NFL titles while being named first All-Pro five times, which is their Pro Bowl back then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only truly elite quarterback in team history, Luckman's numbers, success, and accolades nearly make him the Michael Jordan of the Bears quarterbacks. His five-time All-Pro honors are more than any other Bears quarterback combined, which is three. God, that's he, crazy. He led the league in passing three times. Only one other Bears quarterback has led the NFL in passing. I think it's Jay Cutler. Yeah. Uh, or Kramer. One of those Kramer years. Yeah. He had the top passer rating three times. Bears quarterbacks have combined to do that twice. He led the league in touchdown passes three times. Another feat only matched twice. Yeah. Uh, upon his retirement in 1950, Luckman's career passing numbers were 14,686 and 137 touchdowns, which stood as the record for more than 60 years. 
long after the game shifted wow. from run-oriented to pass-oriented offenses. Luckman's legacy is the standard by which all Bears quarterbacks are judged. Of the Bears' nine NFL titles, Luckman was the quarterback for four of them, 40, 41, 43, and 46. 40, 41, 43. Okay, I, I, always, I thought it was – yeah, okay, good. I'm glad I know that. In 128 games and 62 starts, he threw for 137 touchdowns, 132 interceptions, 14,686 yards, and a 75 passer rating. The Hall of Famer retired in 1950 and would later join the Bears in a, as an assistant and be on the staff of the 63 title team. Yeah. Then we got Bobby Lane, number three pick in 48. Did they had Bobby Lane? Yep. Really? Yep. His story's interesting because he Lane went to tried Lions. to engineer a move to the Packers after his first season, but instead the Bears traded him to the New York Bulldogs, and he was later traded to the Lions. He was like their legend, wasn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. B- Bobby Lane. The Lions won three championships in the 50s, and Bobby Lane was their quarterback. I think they won it like in 54, 55, and 57, I think. I, I think, yeah, I think it was 50. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Next, we got this guy named George Gulianix, who was a running back who threw four passes. Might as well put Peyton on the list if you're going to do yeah, well, that. Yeah, absolutely. And then that was their last guy. That was the last post they made really? of their quarterbacks. Yeah. And then, well, and mean, then Jerry Sloan died. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw, I saw that. That was their that. next post. That's, he, was, that. he had dementia, though. He had like yeah. Louis body dementia. I think he had dementia and another uh, neurological. Those neurological disorders, man. My father having them. Jesus Christ. He's. I talked to, my, to his girlfriend today, and she was just going off about just how difficult it is. And I'm just like, you know, it's just like, well, you got you to gotta put him in a home. But, but you can't do it right now because the home is – it's a Petri dish. It's a dish. COVID fucking you know, factory. You can't do that. You know, it's just – he's just – he is in very poor health and is immobile pretty much. He's like – or very, very immobile. You know, he's like – has to have a walker now, and he's overweight, and he can't get upstairs and stuff. He's just he's becoming immobile, and, mm-hmm. and it's been that way for a while. But it doesn't get better when you start going down that path. You don't like, oh, I'm getting better now. So no, you get progressively worse, yeah. and worse and worse. So it's like she's been dealing with them. But anyway, I, going off on that, I don't know. Why I was yeah. That well, that's it. Where yeah. I'm sure there's a few more Bears quarterbacks. You know, the yeah. There's a few. In I'm there. interested because we're gonna get into the fucking T frame offense styles, like the wishbone <laughs> shit. We're like the quarterbacks just pitch the ball. That's what I'm interested. The Sammy Baugh era and shit like that. The era where they beat them, the year they beat the Redskins, seventy three to nothing or I some th- shit like I that. I think that was and the forty one year. That was also in an indoor arena. That game because there was like some sort of wild storm. They had to play that game indoors. That's that's hilarious. I think it was at like the Chicago Amphitheater. Yeah, or yeah. And it was like an eighty like yard field and. Yeah. 100 yard field or something you know it's because I, mean, I think in they, fact i'm gonna even look that did, shit up when did they play in wrigley night until from the uh, beginning of the franchise until, until, like, until 72 like 70 or 70 72. 72 was the first year in soldier field right look but at soldier field was still there at that time dude let me pop this up real quick let me sure. do, let me do two things yeah go ahead buddy uh what am i it's looking up you. here oh the 1941 title game nfl championship Yes, here we go. No, that wasn't the one. 40, I think, was the... Yep, 1940 was the Bears one. 73 to nothing. Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. it was at Griffith Stadium. Wait, was, was that in D.C.? Yeah. How oh, they did it in D.C.? Yeah, they fucking danced on their lawn. There was a Bears championship, though, that they did have to move to an indoor stadium. I yeah, remember no, reading I remember, that in a history yeah, book. Yeah, exactly. Maybe uh, not in the 40s. But also, let me show you what this looked like. 
the background on my my the laptop that I download shit off of yeah is uh it's a picture of Wrigley Field set up for a football game and I'll let you take a look because it looks man. dope you can see where they put the stands and stuff you can take that over to you over to the thing they like. It's right. They like put the stands up. They covered up the whole black ivy, back yeah. ivy bleachers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's set up perfect. You yeah, almost, you almost wish they built the stadium to where the Bears could just play there full time. Yeah, which at the time was probably insane. People started, started showing up more. But at the same time, it's interesting. Some of these smaller markets, Jacksonville, when they pan across the crowd, it's like half filled. Well, the Jets played in Angels that they played at the Big A for a while. Who did? The Rams played at the Big A. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they would get like 22,000 fans, 28,000 fans. The Jets you know? played in Shea for a little bit. But, um, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, we can okay. we can end it. We're at what? We're at a buck thirty-five. We're at an hour okay, thirty-five. Okay. Cool. I, I, I got a little bit, a little bit of gas all in the right, tank. Still got a little right, bit of gas in the tank. Right. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Shea Stadium. That was dual purpose. Again, the dual purpose stadiums. But I remember like fifty thousand was the threshold then. If you got like above fifty, it was like wow. It was a huge. The thing. Bundesliga is back. Have you been watching Bundesliga? You know, I, I, just a very little bit of it. Like Dortmund was on, of course. Yeah, they, they played today. Uh, they, they won one two nothing. Two nothing. Two yeah. nothing. Holland yeah. went off. We got Bad Boys. The original Bad Boys is on VH1. I never saw that. You never saw Bad Boys. Never saw Bad. I think that was the very first Michael Bay movie. Here we go, Crow. We got a, a Lifetime or a Hallmark movie: How to Train Your Husband. Oh my God! I, I, Jillian I, is a successful marriage therapist and a best-selling author. Oh, her yes. career is going just as planned, but her own marriage isn't going great. And she suddenly realizes that she may not know how to fix it. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I get, you know, this is, so this is where I get to. I'm part you know, of how to train wisdom. your husband. That title offends me as a man. It does. It does. It does. You know, don't train me like I'm some sort of dog. Here comes Mr. America, you know? guys. It's just like, <laughs> but don't train me like I'm a dog no you, know, okay? you, you can be trained it's like I, I remember i remember a woman i was i was dating i was dating for a brief time uh, i i it was i'm gonna mention her by name short as all the relationships they're all these short-term things not all of them i've had a few long terms i kicked this, my table th- this was a short-term one and, and i remember this woman was like well so hey i think we're, I, I was like hey it's, it's going pretty well I was happy. I was I was enjoying spending time with her. Yeah, which you just you shouldn't even mention it. You should just enjoy it. Yeah, uh, and she was like, "Yeah, you're trainable." When she said, "You're trainable," I was like, "I was literally like, oh, oh." Do you know that, what I that, also that, think? That, that, that was like no, that, that that was like that's wrong. That was you know what I also say. think is kind of weird to say. Yeah, and I've said this a bunch. Is she's a keeper. Like yeah, yeah, she's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's a certain ownership in that, or yeah. something, or like possession. In like, that. like you, like, like you, like, like of, you're, yeah. like, oh, I was just test driving. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. keep it. I'm gonna buy this one. That's that's probably the mentality of you're going out and kind of playing the field to see what you kind of like yeah. and what you enjoy. And this is the one that I can sort of say, okay, which I could see the because I remember why with her. I remember yeah. with her. I told my friends I was like, yeah, on our second date, 
we watched a five-part documentary about <laughs> pedophilia in the Catholic Church. <laughs> I was like, she's a keeper, dude. <laughs> but then that's what made me think. I was like, that's kind of like possessive. That's kind of misogynistic. Well, I don't know if it's misogynistic, but 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 it's I very mean, patriarchy. But but it is. There is the idea of, and and that's one thing I've never understood. The and. I remember hearing that one time. We had a woman on a podcast we were doing one time. She was saying how she's had boyfriends in her past where they literally like treat you almost like a piece of property, as if they possess you. Like literally, have had that feeling. Yeah, you know, and and it's just like uh, that never made sense to me in terms. Of, I I never would, would do that. I just don't think I consciously do that to to women. You know, I mean, they have plenty of other reasons to not like me. But I'm saying, but that that one issue of like. Of like, oh, I'm going to possess you. That just never made any sense to me. It almost sounds romantic. You know? I'm about to possess you, girl. What? What? Yeah. Then I wonder if, if on some level, you. on some level, if you don't get that feeling, it's somehow not real. You see, that, that's where I get confused. Look at these business gals just sitting on a sidewalk, drinking coffee that they can I, afford because they work fucking hard. I know. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. It's how to train your husband. So that started that. But I remember that that was the point where I realized this isn't good. There's a, there's got to be a moment here for the trailer where she goes, "Girl, you need to train him." Yeah. You, you know what? You know what happened with that relationship? When that relationship ended, this is the truth. I think about that. God, it's a long time ago now, and it was after being on a dry spell for a while. And uh, I just made the decision that I wasn't just gonna like agree with everything like i mean i was such a pussy when i was younger you know i was like so like I, I wouldn't speak my opinions well enough i think or defend myself well enough and just kind of agree that i was like okay if she does something that bothers me i'm gonna say something you know right and, and i got really upset with her one time and i was just very direct and i i raised my voice you know i was like what are you talking why, why is this a big deal you know that's what i said why is this such a big Except deal for you yelled but i yelled it you know yeah. and, she, and that just like See now, she, she if, like if that. now nowadays that person, I'm not gonna put cast yeah. dispersions, but it's more it's very likely that nowadays that person would then go on to say that we I, he was abusive to me. Yeah, well, in that know, relationship, you know, because I know there was a rumor. One of my good friends, I'm not gonna name names, but one yeah. of my good friends, sweet fucking dude. Yeah, one day it came out that like, oh, you hear so and so saying that Sammy was like abusive to her. Yeah. Or fuck, I should bleep that. Or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, they, exactly. that yeah. so-and-so was yeah. fucking yeah. was abusive to her. Yeah. And then I dug deep and someone who was like involved in the situation goes, no, he just called her like he fucking texted her and re and like kind of rejected her. Like, oh my like God. did like the cutoff thing of like, and he kind of called her a nuisance or something like that. Like he basically like was like, I'm not into it. You're being annoying. Like you need to just leave me alone. Yeah, and she like Ugh. years later was like, "Yeah, he was abusive to me." Oh my god, are you that sensitive? And I remember, I mean, I'm sorry. And I remember are the person who told me if, that, if this is what the case, the was, person who told me what Sammy, sensitive? yeah, the person who yeah. told me what Sammy really said. She was like, "I know he texted that because I wrote the text for him because he was having a hard time doing it." <sighs> and she was like, "I know that's what the text said because I wrote the fucking text." So like they were basically yeah. trying to cut her, be assertive, but not be mean. Yeah. But the type of yeah. thing of like, I'm not, I'm really not into this. Like yeah. you're, you're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. And that was abusive apparently. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. And I think I, it might've even said, leave me alone or something like that. You know, do you expect to go through life and not get hurt? 
I mean, it's like, cause I, I've certainly had that expectation in my past and that thought of like, I'm going to go through and not get hurt. I think you're going to always get hurt. I think the thing you're with, you're going to always get hurt. I think the thing you know? is, is people, Unfortunately. people acknowledge that you're going to get hurt, but people want to live in a world that when you're hurt, everybody kind of stops and is just like, oh, like they the, like acknowledge, like make me feel better. No, th- that I find in that, that I'm sense, sorry. I'm sorry. I find that childish. I find that very childish. I have judgments on that. I do. It's kind of a very, uh, it's a very only child way to look at things. It's very. Of like, I'm sad. I need everybody to ask me why I'm sad and how I'm feeling. And you don't need everyone to. Cheer me up. I need people to cheer me up right now. The irony is, is that you get more of a sense of connection from a couple of close personal friends versus everyone loving you. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like you, not everyone's going to do that and nor should they they be expected to do that. That, that I don't find that very emotionally uh, honest or mature. You know, I, I get it. I get where it, I'm not saying I haven't felt those feelings. I'm saying I haven't felt that, but it's just, it, that doesn't, that's not the way it works. That, that's not a good strategy with life. <laughs> I mean, and I get people get hurt. They get hurt all the time. You know, it's like, they got to acknowledge that, you know, uh, but it's just, uh, I don't know that there's, I mean, you're not getting knocked around. You know what I mean? Like, don't be physically abusive and don't be emotionally abusive. But if someone's going to have to, if they're upset with you, you know, they're going to have to say it. You know, I mean, well, that's what and I I hate. Passive aggressive is awful. Well, there's a comic. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. I got into a Facebook argument with a comic. Yeah. And the argument was basically, I think I'm not getting booked on shows. I did this in a private group. I think I'm not getting booked on shows because people don't like who I'm basically guilt by association. Yeah. I'm friends with a bunch of people that you guys don't like. Yeah. So because of that, I've now been blackballed. Yeah. Um, and that's cool, but just say that's what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) And everybody, that's not how it works. And everybody kind of was just like, no, like skirting around it and basically being like, you know, it's not just about how funny you are. It's who you support and all this shit. And I remember typing something in big letters with exclamation points and someone goes, why are you attacking us? And I was like, I'm not, I'm mad. Like, can't I be mad? Can't I text a shout? Yeah. Like yeah. this idea that you can't yell. It's the same thing with Bernie. People didn't like Bernie because he yells. Ugh. I feel like he's yelling at me. Yeah. Oh so god. what? I, I oh my god. Maybe that, you need to be just... yelled at right now. Well, yeah, it's it's <sighs> my dad used to that was why my dad didn't need to hit us. Because I'm gonna put my my dad yeah. had that hey. Yeah. Like if you were he had a very yeah, all he needed to do was yell at you. Like yeah. and, he and had the knew. type of yell where you stopped in your tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sometimes you need someone to fucking shout at you. No, I, I, I know, and, and I, I think that's a hard. Th- that's part of maturation. You're on the path, Keith. You're on the path because it's just. Again, I go back to when I was younger, and I think in my twenties, and I just got hurt by everything. It's an exciting time. It's a fun time. It's exploration time, but it's also you get hurt time. Like I get, you know? and, and it's part of maturing. You're going to take your lumps, and it doesn't make it easier when you get older. But you right. can kind of manage it better anyway. I get banning hate speech, but yeah, yeah to now yes. say you can't yell, yeah, like I, I don't, you know, it's it, that's you know. getting too far for me. Yeah, well, I don't, I just don't. I, I don't can't know. yell. Like yelling is aggressive. I like it is aggressive, but yeah. like, yeah. It's a fucking voice inflection. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, it's, it's weird. Now there's vote. You could even, I couldn't even understand of like, don't yell and be fucking, fuck you, you fucking cunt bitch, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if I'm upset, 
Yeah. Like even I try and control yeah. it, but like I grew up in a house where if you spilled something, you went motherfucker. Yeah. And yeah. like sometimes I'll do that and she'll be like, what? Yeah. Like she gets like, there's something and I'll be like, oh no, I'm just like, yeah. <clears throat> I dropped something like that's just. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I tell you, it's funny you mentioned that. That's I think of my last girlfriend and, and, and that was a point where she was uncomfortable with me because I would get like, I'd be on the computer and Even, I, I or, get frustrated. I'd be like, God damn it. Or yeah. Or, or I'll come you know? constantly just going like, uh, I know. Yeah. I, I, my absolutely. And people that like freaks people out. Yeah. And it's like, are you that sensitive? It's like, no, it's a temporary thing. Typically is what it is for me. It passes, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a certain frustration and, and that's how it gets expressed. You know, I, I, I just find, you know, y- you have to acknowledge that you have those impulses to, I think, to integrate into your full personality. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, when I hear that, I wonder if it's like being denied in a way. And and it's like, no, it. you have to admit that you have that side in you, you know, I mean, I have some passion with that. I I, I don't know. I don't, it's not, it's, it's got to be used wisely, I think, but there's a time when you got to fucking yell, you know, there's a time when you got to get pissed off about something. And I just feel like this whole, like the way the quote unquote activism manifests itself now is just so nothing. Well, here's the thing. Remember this, it's like this situation. Remember when you were in elementary school and the substitute teacher would come in and he couldn't take control of the classroom. Yeah. And the whoever the coolest, whoever the cool kid in the class was would be the one to go, hey, guys, shut up. Yeah. And get everybody to be quiet. Yeah. <clears throat> that person doesn't exist anymore. There's no like. It's not allowed. There's, or no, or there's no. It's just not trained. You're not trained to be a vocal leader anymore. I think it's more team like be nice. Don't be overbearing. Get along with everybody. So I think the idea of being the person who's going to be like, hey, guys, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Is yeah. like kind of being trained and, out of people. And that's jarring to people's yeah. sensibilities now. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think there's a time and a place for it, though. I think there's a time and a place for it. You know, when, when you have to kind of crack the whip, for lack of a better word, you know, where it's like, hey, this is serious. This has to get done. Even with you know? Lost, the show Lost, the main yeah. character in that is named Jack. Yeah. And he like is the character who kind of like through a so through his acts in the first episode yeah. and kind of himself kind of de- is declared yeah. he's the leader of the island. Yeah. Yep. And now there's people who watch that show and they're like, you know, Jack's kind of a dick. Oh, like who said who made him the leader? Everybody just like, oh, my God, because there's also a, a secondary banal because well, there's also though, a secondary <laughs> female character who's kind of like his love interest and yeah. partner. And she's also kind of like a secondary leader. She's kind yeah. of like his nope not like she's not his yes man she kind of clashes with him on stuff and there's people that are like she should have been jack she and there's just like that hindsight of like why is he the leader who made him the leader and it's that jack is the person in the classroom who goes hey guys shut up you need to listen to the sub right now yeah he's that person and in hindsight people are like he's kind of a dick like he for he forced himself into that role as leader. Like sometimes that's what leaders do. Yeah. No. Exactly. And it's also yeah, you it's, realize that there's no leader amongst your group, and you go, okay, it needs to be me, or it's gonna we're all gonna eat each other. Uh, you know. And that's kind of his talk at the end of the episode is like we need to all get along, or we're gonna fucking all tear each other apart. And, and you kind of need to be told that sometimes too. You know what I mean? Like I can't just I don't know organically be or something i don't know i I, what you're saying though it's interesting you talking that way i mean i think it's i find that very different from how i'm used to dealing with things you know it's uh 
it's just different than what I'm used to. I find it a bit too sensitive, you know, but, uh, but I, but I think it's very real, you know, I mean, I, I've, I, mean, I told you, I think my last couple of jobs, I don't want to go too far into it, but you know, there have been murmurs about, you know, rumors, me getting away with things because I'm a white man. You, you know. can go, yeah. Well, and I even think there might even be truth to that, but it's not like you're involved in it. Well, and like, it's all, yeah, and it's, it's also- a, It's a shit system. Like, there might be a couple women and people of color that got passed over because of you. Yeah. That they just saw that, like, he's 50, 50-year-old 50 white guy, never been fired. Yeah. Has, yeah. has good financial records. We yeah. did a good sweep, but like seems like a a good. Yeah. It, he, you were less of a risk in some people's eyes, probably, and that's probably because you're a white guy. Well, you know, but it's like a, it's not like you're planning for that. You know, well, here's the thing about it. I, I actually, it's also, it's not acknowledging my my career and sort of what I've done and accomplished in my career. You know, it's like it, and, and I think it came from a place. Frankly, some of my quality of work might have been. Not what it should have been, and then, right. you know. But then you got to be specific about that. You know, what's the actual specific thing? Uh, but I was pretty productive. I got a lot of stuff done. I think I was pretty pushy. Was also, you thing. can't. They needed you. You came at a time where they, they were, needed to get shit done. You know, and so and, and I, you know, I was pretty proactive and pretty. But I mean, it was brought up to me by this one hipster guy that I was kind of friends with. He's a nice enough guy, but I found him very immature. I found him extremely immature. Uh, but but he was a nice enough guy. He was like, hey, you, I think you're getting away with things because you know you're a white guy in the office. Well, he said that to me out, out of the office one time, you know. And I was like, oh, there's a rumor of the younger staff, but that was also their insecurity. Oh, so there's probably people who think like if you if this if Adam was not white, he'd be fired. No, oh no, no, I don't think they it was wouldn't that. let a person of color get away with stuff. He, 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 he wouldn't get he would get criticized more. He would get yeah. He's getting away with you know with this. His report wasn't up to snuff. It might but be he, true. You know, but but the uh, but I still don't think that's your fault. Yeah it, yeah, it's a management thing too. It's not me. Uh, but also, I'll say this much: it's also looking in yourself. What are you yeah. concerned about? And it was these younger people who were just starting out in their career, and they weren't stable yet. They weren't they, they weren't on their footing yet, you know. And they weren't. There was one woman in particular I think had some real struggles there, and I know people didn't particularly like working with her, and I think that that was the source of that. But I mean, I you know. But I, that's something I've I've come in face with a little bit more than I have in my past, which I find interesting, because you know I guess you have to produce, you have to be competent and produce, you know, and, and that gets people. To I shut look up. at it as a an advantage because, and especially in comedy now, because people are looking at diversity more than quality, which is just outright what's happening. Yeah, and I'm, I may not be <laughs> happy, but it makes me. You kind of flips the roles how like Chris Rock used to say like to be a black dentist you got to be the greatest dentist in the world you got to <laughs> like you can't just be like yeah. how, how many mediocre white dentists are there yeah and yeah. he was like how many black dentists like you you that motherfucker got A's on every test yeah he got his own practice yeah but now it's kind of flipped where like because there are so many white stand-up comics you really gotta step above ever you have to yeah. you have to be that much more original than the rest of the white herd you know well for me it's <clears> just <throat> like how do you get original by doing what's funny to you well also by, it's being you know, more personal talking about yeah. stuff there are so many comics who just like you haven't lived a life well and it's, i hate topical jokes yeah i guarantee you i will never do a covid19 joke on stage yep i'm writing them down just so i could keep the formula down so yeah. i keep remember how to write a joke, a joke yeah but 
<clears throat> we've been in, if the lockdown lasted two weeks, then you could do COVID jokes. But yeah. what? No one's gonna want to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you, I think it just makes it to where you'd be like, okay, I got to be that much more funnier. Yeah. I have to be funnier than the fucking zeitgeist, basically. I have to be funnier than the fucking system. That, like, yeah. That's what Danny Callis told me. You have to be undeniable. You have to be undeniably funny. Yeah. You have to have people see you and be like, yeah, he's another, he's just another white guy, but God damn it. Like, we're not having him on our show is really it'll hurt the quality well yeah like, you have to be good this guy's so funny that it doesn't matter if he's just a straight white guy he's so funny yeah no you, you have to be good i mean it's just it's yeah i mean i will be curious to see what comedy is like on the other end of this you know what sort of happens with it you know it's you know yeah it, it, it certainly has changed from from when i started Well, that's it. why sometimes whenever like when gillis got snl which he got fired for saying what he said. He said chink or whatever on his podcast. Oh, but when even when he got it, people were like, "How did he get it over this person and this person?" And you're like, "Maybe he's just that fucking funny." Yeah, that yeah. like maybe he transcended the fucking diversity. That you know. they were like, "Yeah, we could hire this person, but god damn it, is Shane funny?" Like yeah. we're it's 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 gonna hurt our product if we don't put this kid on the show. Yeah, well, I mean, I th why well, I think it's yeah. Well, you know, that's where you have to be funny is what it has to be, you know. And yeah, I, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that might think I'm mediocre, you know. You know, all I can say is, you know, I've proven also there ain't nothing wrong with being mediocre. <laughs> Most of entertainment is me. That's what people don't realize. Like, no, it's not that important. It's not that relevant. <laughs> figure out what you do well and do that. And if if a large group of people catch on, then they catch on. But yeah. You have to realize that so much of entertainment is just like when you go to a comedy club and you see fucking Doug McFartfuck yeah. coming in this weekend. That's 98% of stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah. This idea yeah. that you're going to be Louis C.K. or fucking yeah. Natasha Leggero. Yeah. That like, yeah. It's just it's such a drop in the bucket needle yeah. in a haystack chance. Yeah. And I think people let that beat them down of like, I'm either going to be a star or I'm quitting. Yeah. You can make 80 grand a year doing stand up. Yeah. You got to be on the road 50 weeks, 50 <laughs> weekends yeah, I know. a year. Oh, God. That would be such a grind. But I, I it's can, possible. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's I, not glamorous. No yeah. one's going to recognize you in a mall. You're never going to write a sitcom. Yep. You're, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. You can. Absolutely. Jesus. My phone's going off here. I got to. What if someone's dead or something? No, 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 no. It, it's just Monty actually reached out to me. Monte, call him up, put him on the show. Nah, I'll do it right now. Even though I, I want to talk with him, but I, uh, but no, but but what you were saying though, yeah, it's interesting that kind of the, the diversity thing. I mean, I just, Jesus Christ, fucking going at it. No, I, I just got the message, you know. That's all. But yeah, the, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just the current. I mean, you know, I mean, I. It's just interesting. It's hard out there for a pen. Well, you know, I I don't really think that's about another that much. thing too. That that's, See, I don't think about. Well, much. that's the balancing well, act too. Is you can't really, you can't really say like, oh, it's so hard out there for me. And I'm not even no, saying I'm that. Like, I'm not saying that for me at all. Absolutely. Like, and I that's what I think it's misconstrued of. Like when I say just acknowledge that you're going for diversity over quality. That's not me complaining about it. I yeah. get it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, a yeah. comic, Burt Kreischer, said he was like, if I showed up at a comedy club. And they were like, hey, man, uh, tonight we're going to put up all the comic. There's a bunch of comics of color and women. We're going to throw them all up first before you. If you just came in and told me that, I'd be fine with it. He goes, but they try yeah. and 
whenever you go to them and be like, hey, I noticed you're doing this, this, and this, they try and be like, no, that's not what we're doing. Like, stop it. Just say that that's what you're going to yeah, do. Yeah. Just say we're, we're course correcting. Yeah. And for the next few years, because we, we fucked up so hard for decades, for the next couple years, yeah. we got to put up black people and women. Yeah. Just yeah say that yeah don't yeah. pretend like there's this there's this natural change happening <laughs> that like get out of here if the if the well we, the problem is that then when people would say they'd say well that you're saying it's not quality is it not good it has some sort of like stigma attached to it or something it's like no it's still funny listen ethnic comedy has been there since it's day great. one yeah it's part of the american canon of comedy you know don't be mean-spirited with it i mean and you know when that is you know when something is truly done with malice but when it's, you know? it's when you see it truly come out is when they put out the top 10 list of stand-up specials and i get it they shouldn't say they should rename don't say that these are the 10 best specials to call them these are the 10 specials that you should have watched if you didn't. Because <laughs> to be like Jenny Slade had the best stand-up special of the year. No, it wasn't. Yeah. If you yeah. don't think Bill Burr had the best stand-up special of last year, yeah. then you have no sense of humor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Jenny Slade. I yeah. love female comics. Yeah. She didn't have the best special last year. Yeah. It's your fucking out of your mind if you don't think Bill Burr is the greatest <laughs> living comic today. Yeah. You're wrong and yeah. you're fucking crazy yeah. if you don't think that. Yeah. On both sides of the sex. Yeah. It's just an outright denial of the quality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in England, right? The, Was that, the yeah. paper, it's yeah. fucking, it's yeah. the first it's time good. I laughed out loud at a special in years. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. Absolutely. It was good. I watched it too. I was like, it's pretty solid. I mean, he was also like, I mean- <laughs> He was going off on white women because <laughs> I mean, he's married to a black woman. But it was funny. Oh, he was hysterical. There are even some parts where you're like, damn, I don't agree with that, but that's hilarious. Oh, no. I mean, he's, you know. He's... But when they come out with these lists, man, like these aren't the best specials. You can try to create that hype, I guess. And I, yeah, how do you monetize it? What does it turn into? How do you, you know, parlay that into something? I, you know, I, I don't. It's just. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too. I don't want to be too absent-minded or too. But I'm just like, do your act. Do what you find funny. Try to have fun with it. Try to enjoy it. Try to make it of quality. You know, and and kind of let the chips fall. But I guess you have to have more. Yeah. I don't know. You, you have to have more of a drive in certain ways. You really do if you want to truly. Also, it, here's you know? and here's why I take Jenny Slade's special off the best of last year. It's an hour long. It's 20 minutes of stand-up. It's 20 minutes of stand-up, and then the rest is like a documentary about her growing up. Oh, God. Well, where was she from? What was she? What, I mean, what, what, was it literally just her life story? Yeah. Was like the, and how she was tight with her sister and shit. Oh, my God. Like Another thing, not everyone's story has to be heard. You know, it, it's like- not, So, but not, that to me is the flaw right there. Oh, you didn't have an hour of comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to have a good, solid hour of comedy, you actually have to have like two and a half to three hours of really good comedy. If you're going to truly have an yeah, hour- to cut it down. To really make it, I mean, out of, you know, hitting every joke as a fucking and double in the gap her or a as home a run. That's not even against her as a talent. She does yeah. so much other stuff. She acts, she writes for stuff. Like yeah. she probably didn't have time to go out and work out a whole hour. Yeah. But Netflix is so- <clears throat> giving deals out to yeah. try and diversify that they were like, well, Jenny Slade's a hot up and coming comic. Let's give her an hour special. Well, yeah. she doesn't have an hour of material. But we'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's been a classic story for a lot of performers who get plucked too early. I think that there's some famous comics who think that they actually hit it too soon. 
uh, and, and kind of affect. I think Rock actually, Chris Rock, you know, was on Saturday Night Live or Saturday Night Live, but he was like a bench player on Saturday Night Live, and, and I think he said like he, his rock bottom was in like a February Black History Month. He wasn't booked to do any stand up at any colleges, and that was like after Saturday Night Live. That was like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, maybe or something. He just was nothing. He had to go back and just make his act again. And so I, 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 my, I my point with saying that was was just. You know, uh, whatever. <clears throat> anyway, he, he, had, yeah. he had a little too much success too soon. What we're saying is know? we're marginalized as white. Guys. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Yeah, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, yeah, obviously, I'm but, kidding. Yeah, I, I've. Um, for me, I guess what was a bit what bothers me about that is that you know I do have I've done a lot of good work in my career. You know, I've had a lot of successes, and sort of I feel like it was kind of minimizing my my work. You know, when I when when that came up. That was the one thing I thought. And I, I just, when it was said to me, I was like, oh, maybe it's the truth. I, I just acknowledge. Here's you know, the way I. You know, what are you going to do about here's it? I, I, got good, I, I got yeah. good advice from an ex-girlfriend a while ago. Because yeah. I used to, whenever, and I still have to fight it. Whenever yeah. I hear someone complaining about like patriarchy. Yeah. And the reason why you, you and me get upset with that is yeah. I think you're talking about me. Like I personalize it. Like when yeah. I hear someone say yeah. like there's a system of patriarchy, yeah. I think they're talking about me. And I, yeah. one of my ex-girlfriends was like, they're not talking about you. Like they don't, yeah. they've never met you. They're, yeah. they're like, you are in inserting yourself into the problem. Yeah. Like if you trust that you're not a part of the problem, then don't get upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you getting upset about it is kind of like admitting, like, why are you feeling guilty? Yeah. Like they're like, yeah. and it's selfish. Like they're yeah. not talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this case, they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Specifically in this case, you know, but yeah, no, no. I mean, and, and frankly, I think a lot of the complaints are, are, are legitimate. I don't d deny them. Like there's, I mean, equal, equal pay, equal, I mean, equal work. Yeah. Obviously there should, that, that should be the case, you know, and the whole like sexual violence thing is a bad thing. That's just like, I mean. Yeah. Let's, let's end on that, mutilated puss. I mean, oh, I, I mean, it's that whole thing. They still have to maneuver those waters of sexual abuse is so, yeah, it's sad. It's, it's just, uh, it's not good, you know. Those are legitimate beefs to me. I mean, it's just interesting. Look at this guy on a mountain, dude. It's the husband that needs to get trained. Well, he's working out now. <laughs> Look at that setting. That is a green screen, dude. Of course it is. That, 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 that's up With in a like, fan blowing out to Burbank, wind. You know? <laughs> it looks like he's hiking the hills of fucking exactly. Sweden. <laughs> You know, and like texting, like it's this, like you know, this. Also, setting. why is it only windy at your waist? Well, and also look at the sheets they have. Everything is like so perfect. It's, it's so, so annoying. Yeah, it's so annoying. And on that note, yeah, on the Hallmark show, we got. I, I got to wrap it up. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week, right, maybe with a couple more bear quarterbacks. Who the fuck knows? We're getting we're getting deep into the thirties. All right, see you guys.